I'm Jordan and I'm Rachel and we're here for an extra special bonus episode today normally we take uh, a formative movie from my childhood and uh, discuss it in the terms of um, feminism masculinity gender race etc and uh, then Rachel makes a sugar-free or somewhat healthy treat for us yep to watch while we uh, do that but in this case, we're doing a special bonus episode because we had some extra time this weekend and uh, thought it might be fun to take a look at the entire collection of Batman media all in one special episode. It includes uh, comics, video games, movies. What movie should we watch? We'll discuss that. We, but, we will. Yeah, but we've I'm, seen them all. I'm thinking we should do a Chris Nolan one just so I can be mad. That sounds good. We might, yeah, maybe we'll watch, like, the best one, which is The Dark Knight, supposedly. And then... I disagree. Uh, I think Begins was much better. Well, I mean, I think that from our perspective, yeah. But I think that if we talked about from an outsider's perspective, probably The Dark Knight, I think, is the highest rated one. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah, but according to the rachel <laughs> which sometimes doesn't have rhyme or reason. Yeah. Batman Begins is better. And then we'll watch probably one of my favorite animated ones uh, as well. And we've been playing Batman Arkham City all morning. And uh, we both read several Batman comics. And we'll discuss them all. Yeah. Um, this will definitely be a recipe for disaster. So, Rachel, what are you making for us in this uh, impromptu bonus episode? Uh, I am making sugar-free peanut butter protein powder. Or protein powder. Mmm. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> protein powder. Just handfuls of it. <laughs> you need water to go with it. Otherwise, it becomes the protein powder challenge. You're not a real man if you eat your protein powder with water. <laughs> no, I'm making um, protein brownies. Protein brownies. Gotcha. Uh, um, any particular flavor? Or oh, you said peanut butter. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter. Mm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. What made you want to make uh, brownies today? Um, I was looking through recipes about for our, our special episode, and um, nothing was really jumping out at me. And this has been the weekend of classic desserts. I did um, chocolate chip cookies for our last, last episode. Um, and so brownies and chocolate chip cookies, simple. Also, we have the ingredients. We're out of eggs, so <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. recipe doesn't call for eggs. Do all brownies uh, not have eggs, or is it just different for different recipes? Most brownie recipes have eggs. What do eggs add to it? I have no idea. Like It, al- it adds moisture and binding. Moisture and binding? Mm-hmm. Okay. So are we going to have some crumbly-ass brownies today? No. Yes, Jordan. I'm going to make some gross, <laughs> dry, crumbly-ass brownies. No, the nut butter um, that's in these will keep them moist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that worked with uh, the cookies that we made for um, the Forrest Gump episode. We uh-huh. actually added some peanut butter to those. Um, so those of you who listened to that, if you want uh, a creamier texture, we later added peanut butter and it made them 
Oh, so much better, I think. It did? Yeah. It did. You're not lying. So, yeah, um, I'm looking at the recipe, and you didn't say this, but it says vegan keto protein brownies oh, on there. Yeah, they're vegan because we don't have eggs. So, <laughs> we're not vegan, but, uh, yeah, the, like, we're going to use vegan protein because that's what we use anyway. Sure. Um, because whey gives me heartburn. Um, it's like, looking at this, like, this almost looks like something that might be actually recommended as a part of a, like, a nutrition plan, like, as a treat. Yeah. Um, because it does have, like, it has some, uh, serving information on here, and it says that it's got 12.5 grams of protein per serving. Yeah. Like, if these taste good, that could be pretty amazing. Yeah, we'll see how they taste. Um, you know, you don't want to eat, like, a zillion of them because there's 157 calories per serving. Oh, gotcha. But apparently this is going to make eight good-sized brownies. So, I mean, they're way less caloric and way better for you than regular brownies. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So does this mean that I can just eat these brownies after a workout and be good for the rest of the day? I've got my nutritional, no. the healthy part of the day, I can start eating uh, garbage. No, that does not mean that. You need to be eating clean most of your meals when at what point can i just eat garbage because that's that's the goal here is, <laughs> the goal is for you to just eat garbage yes but um i've got to get to a point where i feel okay with it so how many push-ups do i need to do how, how many miles do i need to run to be able to eat whatever i want listen i have my master's degree in creative writing so i'm very <laughs> qualified to answer well, this well you know a lot about a lot of things i would i would believe you over most people Aww. There's your mistake. Well, you've got a trustworthy face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not about being skinny or it's about being healthy. And you can't just eat trash. You just can't is the answer. It's like, I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but eat trash in tiny portions, like as part of a bunch of fucking vegetables. God, Rachel. Like, just like with everything else, you're such a downer. (laughs) You can't eat piles of trash and expect to be healthy. Oh, but I really want it to be true, though. Well, it's a sad story. Well, cool. Let's let's get to work on these, and um, we'll be right back to eat them. Yeah. popular and recognizable superheroes of all time. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Is there any that's like more than that? I mean, uh, Superman. I mean, Superman, I think maybe more recognizable, but I mean, as far as like people knowing more about the character and, uh, I don't know. I feel like Batman is like the, the American hero, which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Rich billionaire beats up the mentally ill for a private prison he helped fund. America! (laughs) We all love it. Um, But that being said, I mean, I I never like to say that Batman is my favorite superhero because I've always liked uh, Daredevil. You like um, Green Lantern, too. And Green Lantern. Um, But you know what? I always just say that because I don't want to say Batman. 
Really? Yeah, because Batman's too cool. So like, I can't be that guy. I've got to oh. be like, I got to be like counter comic book culture, oh. and like uh, something else. But I do. I mean, I love Batman. Um, Ask me who my super favorite superhero is. <laughs> who's your favorite superhero, Rachel? <laughs> wait, I wait. Oh, wait. I just had a question. Just come to me just now. Uh, yeah. Who, who's your favorite superhero, Rachel? <laughs> My favorite superhero is Jean Grey in the X-Men because she's going to fucking destroy this place. Yeah, Jean Grey is pretty awesome. I was, uh, and I like Rogue, too. They seem to always get her wrong in the movies. But anyway, this is a Batman, uh, a Batman episode. Yeah, well. So tell me about your experience growing up with Batman. Um, what was it, well, you know what, what was your first experience with Batman? What was the first, uh, the first version of him that you saw? The first version of Batman that I saw was I had um, one of those little viewfinders or viewmasters. Oh, wow. And it was a little red, you know, the little red one with the orange handle that you click down and there was a little disc in it and it would go through the the pictures. Sure, yeah. Um, and I had a shit ton of those. Um, and I had a bunch of X-Men comics, a bunch of Batman comics, um... And, like, some educational, like, African animals and stuff. But um, <laughs> mostly it was comics. Yeah. And it was those, you know, the comics. that Somebody had taken comic panels and transposed them on these wheels. Wow. And so... <laughs> Were they, like, old school ones or more recent? Um, I had and a, At the time, I guess this was, what, the 90s? Uh-huh, early yeah. 90s. Um, the... Let's see. They, I had a selection of Batman ones that were, like, from the 60s, like, with him with the silly little codpiece and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then I had a selection that was from, like, the 80s when he was, like, super jacked up and fascist. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, that was kind of that period where... Um, Everything. That was extremely popular in comics just overall. Like, people had... Um, like lots of guns and muscles that don't yeah. exist and yeah. uh, belts everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so that was my first exposure to Batman. Yeah. Um, there were, I also had some amazing X-Men ones, but we won't talk. Okay, yeah. now it's well, no longer Lord of the Rings. Now it's X-Men. Well, we will, we'll do an X-Men episode eventually because you love X-Men. And I do want to talk to you about that. Um, but today, this Memorial Day, uh, we're celebrating Memorial Day by having our bat extravaganza, where That's we right. experience all sorts of different Batman media. That's right. So for me, my first experience with Batman was the old uh, Adam West TV show. Yeah. Um, and I think actually I didn't really see the TV show as much as I saw the movie that came out. Right. Um, where it had all the different villains in it. Uh, I think the Riddler, the Penguin, Joker, yeah. that kind of stuff. And I had, uh, you know, Batman action figures that were based off of that also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I forgot you were like the toy guy. Yeah, I, I had a lot of toys and I, I loved playing with them, especially the action mm-hmm. figures, uh, G.I. Joes and stuff like that. I was um, big into, uh, you know, army men and stuff like that. But so for me... That first version of Batman was so goofy that I liked the idea, like, as a young kid. Yeah. Um, of him just having a bat something for whatever. Like, it's basically like a Deus Ex bat gadget Oh, um, I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, there's even, like, he has, like, bat shark repellent and mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, where it's goofy now to look back at it, and it's definitely not my favorite version of Batman. Uh But there is a small part of me that I really, really like 
that old version where it was just kind of silly and um sure i think that one of the things about batman is like if you don't acknowledge some of the silliness to it then it ruins batman yeah because i mean like this is a and that goes for pretty much any superhero that's why the animated series i think was so much more like genuine and and interesting than the chris nolan like everything's gritty and dark yeah well i want to talk about each one of those in like a different segment sure um because there's so much, but it, let's just kind of run through, like, what versions of Batman we know and remember. Uh, so there's the old TV show, like I was mm-hmm. just saying, with Adam West. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the extremely old, like, Bronze Age comics, um, where Batman doesn't really even look much like Batman anymore. But it was similar to the TV show in a lot of ways as well. And then, um, what else we got? We got uh, 1990, or wait, sorry, 1989 batman movie by tim burton which uh is one of my favorite versions of the joker honestly i know people i like that one too i know people hate jack nicholson can you bring me a coffee mug yeah yeah i'll get you i'll interrupt you interrupt this so i can get a coffee mug yeah you got it um i mean i think jack nicholson is good in that because he's and and so many people don't think this and I, I don't really understand but I, I like it because he's sinister yeah, and, and funny too and funny like the Joker is supposed to be funny there are versions right? of, there are versions of him like in uh, the Batman Beyond animated universe where they start um, like treating him as a not funny character like he's uh, full of puns yeah. and, and stuff like that and I get it and that that went really well but I like when the Joker is funny and also, like, terrifying. I like that, too. Yeah. Like, they set that guy on fire in the boardroom or whatever. Like, that's, uh... Ooh, that was just chilling. We'll have to watch that today, too. Yeah. That'll be one of our things. Because that's one of my favorite versions of Batman. And I've seen Batman forever, like, probably 95 times. Yeah. Because that came out, like, right at the age when I was, like, nine. I remember Batman Forever. Wait, wait, which one? You were more of a Batman and Robin fan, weren't you? I the, love the that. I like, see, that's acknowledging the silliness and taking it for what yeah. it is. Okay, but that goes a little too, well, mm. okay, so maybe it's not the fact that the tone was wrong, but those movies are just terrible. Oh, um, they're so bad. Batman and Robin in particular is one of the worst movies ever made. And maybe we'll watch one of those too, because <laughs> um, there's so much to laugh at. There really is. Uh, George Clooney famously said that he killed the bat when he made that movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what other Batman media um, do you remember? You mentioned the animated series, and that was big for both of us. Yeah. Uh, Batman Beyond? Yeah, you know, I really love Batman Beyond. I think it's underrated. A a lot of, like, really big Batman fans uh, do appreciate it, but it's definitely one of those ones that's more hidden away than... Uh, some of the more popular instances of uh, the character. But yeah. especially the movie um, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. We watched that kind of recently. I guess it was a few years back. But that movie is dark. It is. Um, for a kid's movie. There's actually like a director's cut that has like more violence in it than the one that they released for kids. Yeah. Uh, but it's just small changes. But the implications behind the changes are pretty big. Like they change... Uh, some paint in the Batcave from purple to red, which implies that it's, like, Bruce Wayne's blood splattered all over the place instead of, you know, like, Joker paint or something like that. Um, So, yeah, that's a really cool uh, 
thing as well. If we have time, we'll maybe watch some of that too. What else do you remember? We got Chris Nolan. Yeah. You have strong feelings about the Chris Nolan Batmans. Yeah. Mm. I think they're silly. And I don't think they're silly in a fun way. Yeah. I think they're silly in a self-important way. Yeah, it's... I think the... It's got the problem... And, I mean, so many people love The Dark Knight. And they love the whole series of Chris Nolan's. But I think it's too serious. Why did you... Like, Like, it almost takes it to a point where... Like, when they when they're trying fun. to explain how all of this stuff could be possible, yeah, it's like okay, like yeah, it could, but it really makes me stretch too far. I think to believe that like Batman could really exist in our society. Oh yeah, um, and then they choose Chicago too. Like come on. Well, I love Chicago, but that's I know, a, but so it's... yeah, Gotham City. That's a huge part of Batman, and we both have agreed on this. Um, just the architecture and the the feeling of Gotham City is a character in and of itself. Yeah. Which is super important for the Batman universe, I think. I agree. Like, there's, like, that gothic feel to it. Um, It really gives it, like, a sense of horror, in a way. Mm -hmm. Even if it's urban horror. I think that that's uh, something that is missing in some Batman media that they Mm -hmm. get wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to... the, The issue is you have to pick a tone and you have to stick with it. Yeah. If you want to go super dark, like, we might, this is a good segue for comic books. Um, sure, yeah. Like, we can think about The Long Halloween. That's a pretty fucking dark An comic. amazing comic mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Amazing Batman One of my story. favorites. Actually, it is my favorite Batman media, I think. Yeah, I think it might be mine, too. I'd have to, th- I'd have to think a little harder about it just to make sure. But, yeah, I think that is... Uh... <laughs> There's some comic book readers out there who are like, of course it is, you fucking shits. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, there are there are interesting storylines all throughout Batman comics, right. like, but they're all done in a way that there are very few that are done really well to the point where I would say, like, oh, I would recommend that a non-comic book reader read yeah. this. The long, the long Halloween is one of those. I think it's good enough that, like, it's good no matter what media you're comparing it to. Right. And, and not I... just, like, oh, it's a good comic. Right. Um, but, yeah, there are other stories, like Nightfall was a long and arduous comic book event that happened that I don't know if you've read this Rachel but it was like Batman Bane breaks Batman's back yeah, and he's out of commission for like I think you made me read a that. few years yeah it's so the idea behind it I think is neat but just um this was back when comic book writing was more of a hobby than anything there were I yeah. mean there are professionals that do it but back in the day, it was a far less, uh, it wasn't taken seriously right. as an art form. Right, right. So then you got less, you got lower quality stories for sure. Uh-huh. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, so we're playing uh, the Batman games today too. And um, what are your thoughts on that just right off the bat? We're going to get deep into this later because there are, this is a really super complicated subject, I think. What? Uh, what? These Batman Arkham games. That, oh, I, yeah. that I really love, that I think are amazing. You do love them. So, my thought on these games, and we've been talking about this all morning because I've been playing them. Um, I've never been one to care all that much about control. I mean, if controls are sloppy sure. for, in a game, I care about it. But, like, I feel like this these games are all about, like, look how cool the fighting style is. I can embody this man. Yeah. Um, about which, becoming Batman, mm-hmm. which is a, definitely a male power fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me, because I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't you don't have those fantasies. You know, it's gonna be in here for forty five minutes. Mm. That's our uh, peanut butter brownies going in the oven right now while mm -hmm. we discuss Batman. Um, and I made myself some coffee so I get to have coffee while I talk about mm, this. Mmm, that'll be wonderful. It will. Okay, I need to stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking about the, oh yeah, the games. Yeah, the Batman games. You said that uh, you, you don't like, or you're not necessarily into the power fantasy mm -hmm. of being Batman. Right. It doesn't matter to me so much. Yeah. What matters to me is that I get to... Um, participate in a way that is um, something that I can latch on to. So, so when you're talking about video games mm -hmm, in general, mm -hmm. yeah, and that means hard for me because I never, ever have been interested in projecting myself onto Batman. Yeah, you know what? That's so that because I want to get deeper into the video game later in its own segment. But that brings me to an interesting point about the, a question I want to ask you, which is what what do you like about Batman in general? You mean just as a character? as a character, yeah, or as a uh, a universe? If we talk about the Batman universe, uh, what I like about Batman is you, the audience, can love Batman or hate Batman. Sure. Um, there's ambiguity there. Yeah, I, I like that. I think I like complexity. Um, I really like the villains, though. The villains are yeah. are everybody's favorite. They're like my favorite. I've said this before, and we've talked about it, but I don't think that Batman, the character Batman himself alone, is actually a very good character. No, no, I think he's just a foil. Yeah, he's like he's more of a force of nature or a canvas for these other more interesting villain characters uh, to tell a story, um, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they're all... And it's interesting, too, because people have compared like all of Batman's different villains... Uh, to being like aspects of his personality, so in a way we do like Batman because we like his villains. Yeah. Like Scarecrow is uh, the embodiment of his desire to cause fear in criminals. Mm -hmm. uh, Two Face is like his double life, that kind of stuff, and mm -hmm. it, um, Joker's kind of his opposite, or maybe in some ways people think he's his twin. So there's different his doppelganger. Yeah, his doppelganger. That's a, a good word for it. Um. So, yeah, I think that we do kind of explore the character of Batman through his villains more effectively than we do through himself, even though mm. a lot of comics are written from his... And stories are written from his perspective. What do you think? Mm. Sure. I'm trying not to eat on air because I feel bad about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just asked me with a mouthful of cookie. Well, now I've got a mouthful of cookie, so I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't save you here. Mm. Okay. Um, so I think that... That, I think that was absolutely intentional by the writers. To, oh, yeah. To have him be, um, you know, uh, the, the villains to be, like, parts of his psyche. And A I think, dark reflection. And they thought they were real clever when they were doing that. And that's mm -hmm. fine. That's cool. Have, have fun. Be clever. Um, but I think, like Star Wars, Batman morphed into a more like he batman wasn't owned by dc anymore batman became owned by the people just oh, like yeah. star wars wasn't owned by lucasfilm anymore it was owned by the people and people like take it and expand the universe and play around in this universe and that's the triumph of batman and yeah. the triumph of star wars too sure is that you made a community world yeah it's a realized world where anybody mm -hmm. can contribute something to mm -hmm. it yeah 
But it also uh, gets that, like, fanboy status, too, mm-hmm. where you're kind of at a point, you know, like with Star Wars when the prequels come out and everybody hates them. Or not everybody, but a, a lot of people hate them and are very angry about them. Then, like, at what point can we say, like, Star Wars is ours and we can ignore what we want if we want? We'll have a, a Star Wars extravaganza, too. Yeah. But, uh... Because there's a, a lot of stuff I want to talk about with that, too. A lot but, to unpack. But, yeah, I mean, it, the character kind of takes on an independence from uh, its original creators, I think, in a way. How so? In, in the same way with Star Wars, where, um, like you said, they become property of the people and not yeah, property yeah. of the creators. So it's kind of like, even if you're the person who invented Batman or invented Star Wars, right. like you have an obligation to make these characters and uh, these stories um, stay within the bounds that you originally set. Right, right. Follow the rules. And I think that that's kind of ironic. I don't know about ironic. I think it's interesting um, given how (laughs) what Batman is about, which is you know, follow the rules of society if it suits your ass and if you're rich sure you know i mean a lot of people would say that batman stories are or batman in general is about justice i would disagree with that but that's i think that's the stated um Mm -hmm. the stated goal or stated theme in general sure uh but i think it's more accurately described as something that's close to justice but not quite which is revenge um and that it's a really important thing to differentiate um Whenever, which is so interesting because I was thinking about this today. Um, we were watching the Netflix Explained series. Yeah. Um, a pretty it, interesting series on Netflix that you guys should check out. Little short, uh, just explanations of how certain things work. Right. And we were watching one about um, wealth inequality amongst African Americans. Um, and how basically... <laughs> Um, African Americans have had every single boundary put in their path on purpose (laughs) with like intent from, you know, real estate, uh, like neighborhood associations and, um, real estate moguls and. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a group, um, African Americans have not been able to grow wealth in the same way that white people have. Because of the fact that, um, you know, white people have been compounding growth for hundreds of hundreds of years, whereas, I mean, black people just got out of the civil rights movement, like, not even, what, 40, 50 years ago? Right. Uh, Like, Dr. King has a quote that's pretty awesome that was in that um, Explained uh, show where he says that, you know, if you come to the race 300 years late and then expect that person to win, like... That's fucked up. Of of course, I'm paraphrasing Dr. King. Yeah, Dr. King is Uh, uh, probably rolling in his grave a little bit. Yeah, he stated it so much better than I did. He's um, like, some white guy is saying, that's fucked up, using my words. (laughs) Well, hey, if if he were here today, I think he would agree that my paraphrase still means the same thing that his does. Uh, Yeah, so... It is. It's fucked up because, like, you, you can't uh, build upon mm-hmm. 
your uh, parents' wealth or your right. family's wealth that they've been working on for generations. Right. So you're starting at zero every single time, and it's almost impossible to get out of that hole, especially in mm-hmm. our country. And that's why, and it's by design. And so tying that back to Batman, what? I, so I was thinking about that this morning um, in the shower after we had watched that and about justice versus revenge. Sure. Um, and like thinking about how white people can construe um, people of color's requests for justice to be revenge. And they get all freaked out. Yeah. And then they get they post on next, next door about every person of color they see in their neighborhood. Gentilly. Um, and it, it, it's, it's detrimental and it's detrimental and purposeful by the powers that be. Yeah. You know? And so that's... And the powers that be as far as in the Batman universe are Batman and Gotham City's uh, fucking government. Bureaucratic, yeah. ineffective, in-the-pockets, mob-run government. Yeah, well, honestly, like, I think that some of the problems... Because wealth inequality has been tackled in some Batman comics like mostly recently and mostly like you know kind of under the radar like it's not like a super um, big aspect of it but it's Uh just been mentioned here and there but one of the things that I think they failed to recognize Batman writers or um, people that really love Batman in general is that so Batman's solution to most problems is to uh you know, like fight or otherwise subdue one of the villains. Like he has kind of a laser focus on an individual issue. Batman comics in general and Batman stories in general don't often talk about society's problems or like a system's problems. And so when we talk about wealth inequality in the lens of Batman, right? uh, it, it reinforces the idea that there's one thing that we can one villain that we can stop and this problem will go away. There's one uh, aspect of society that we can manipulate and then wealth inequality will go away, which just isn't true because by definition it's systemic. It's system-wide. I wonder, though, if like Batman writers are aware of that, at least on a subconscious level, because Arkham City never gets better. You uh, like that? the the city itself. Yeah, like there's still always crime. Oh. The Joker's always busting out of that asylum. <laughs> I'm just wondering if like they're they're more aware than we give, we're giving them credit for, and they well maybe so. And they're just like you know what this doesn't work. Batman's fighting a losing battle and has been. Yeah, and you know what there are a lot of but that's the that's the problem though is that in these comics and in these stories mm-hmm. and even in these games in particular, I think in the Arkham Knight game. There's a lot. There's a character who criticizes Batman's uh, Batman's work basically um, on the city as having been an, an enormous failure, and that you know villains often talk about how none of them would exist if it weren't for his existence in the first place. So he maybe created more problems than he solved. Golems. Right, but the nefarious part of that is that even though it's acknowledging it, it's acknowledging it through the voices of its villains and people who you're supposed to go, oh, that guy is wrong. Right. Like, Bruce Wayne is not the person who's admitting, like, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I could be handling this differently. Maybe with my billions and billions of dollars, I could start social programs. There are comics and stories where he does, 
But it's always kind of as a... An aside. An aside. Or a way for a villain to get at Batman is like through his foundation or something. Right. But it doesn't actually commit um, fully to social change. Right. And that's that's one of the problems I have with Batman. Yeah. Because like I'm thinking about Kelly Sue DeConnick's um, Captain Marvel. Um, sure. And I'm thinking about like the way that women comics writers... Uh, write and think differently than male comic book writers for the most part. That's yeah. always my disclaimer. Like obviously there's some overlap there and I'm I'm not including like our trans writers and gender non-binary folk. Just like um if we think about like Kelly Sue DeConnick versus Grant Morrison. Sure. For instance, um women are so m- women comic book writers have a much um, more solid sense of what I perceive as justice versus revenge. Yeah. Um, Because what, this is my favorite comic, one of my favorite comic book stories. So Kelly Sue DeConnick wrote uh, a Captain Marvel comic book, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Where she was just going around like helping other women essentially. (laughs) Sure. And there was nothing inherently feminist about it which was the interesting part but a bunch of fanboys got really up in arms and were like fuck her for making captain marvel's boobies go away why is she (laughs) not about my ding dong and so then they wrote her a bunch of hate mail and they threatened her yeah and so she was like you know what oh you want a feminist rant and she wrote bitch planet which is the best comic ever. It One is a my, fucking great comic. It's a fucking great comic, which was, like, a feminist, like, justice fantasy. Yeah. But, like, the, the difference is women can acknowledge our status um, as survivors, mm-hmm. whereas men seem to have a problem being like, oh, I, I was never weak. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, like... We've talked about that before, just how society has a need to... I think men, in particular, really need to understand that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you recognize it as a mistake and move past it. Yeah. Uh, like, acknowledge it and change it. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of... Especially in, like, our social media world where, like, everybody puts their best foot forward. Like, having something bad... Or having you having done something wrong is something that people really want to hide and they feel really um, yeah. like adamant about never making a mistake because that's the end of my life if I do. Well, it's not. Like, say you're sorry. Be genuine about it. Like, really do be sorry and change what you're doing. And obviously... And you're a new person. Like, it's well, fine. Obviously, there are caveats to that. Yes. I'm thinking about the Me Too movement, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, well, I mean, them. like, sometimes it's not okay, like... There would have to be a lot more than him just saying, like, oh, I'm sorry, for him to... Like, you're not completely forgiven. Like, you still have consequences to your actions. And you and, may never be completely forgiven. But you have to accept those consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. If you accept the decisions that you make... Um, you but in, kids? Take yeah. responsibility. But just so that people know, like, when you do make a mistake and you pay the, con- pay the consequences for it, um, that is okay. Oh. I, I tell my students that all the time. But, anyway, going back, rep, bringing it all back to Batman, <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about, I, I can't, I'm really excited to talk about the way women are treated. Yeah. 
Well, it, and it's, it, I don't think it's done well in any of the versions that it's been done. And the issue is like, but, those characters have just enough of two dimensionality, three di- not I wouldn't say three dimensionality, but two dimensionality that they could be super interesting. Like Poison Ivy could be so interesting and there are really there are some really good poison ivy stories there are um, but there aren't they aren't as good as like the joker no no there aren't or um the riddler and i mean some people are gonna say like oh but what about you know harley and poison ivy have their own comic together uh yeah fuck off with that that's the most exploitative shit i've ever seen in my life like there's i never saw it there's a bunch of uh comic book series where it's like harley quinn and poison ivy together going on uh, misadventures or whatever. It sounds blah, great. Blah, blah. Yeah, it sounds great. And in some stories it is. But for the most part, it's done for the visual of having two quote-unquote sexy women in provocative poses uh, for, you know, 32 pages of comic book every every uh, month. We were at the comic shop. Here's an aside. This is our special bonus episode, everyone. <laughs> um, I was at the comic shop, and I was looking for one thing, like... Crescent City Comics in New Orleans, go there. I like those dudes. I'll plug yeah. them. I mean, they can't sue us for plugging them, right? What? No. Okay. <laughs> like they're they're a great shop, and they do their they really do try their best to make me feel welcome most of the time yeah. as a woman. Uh, sometimes they fail. I love you guys, <laughs> but sometimes you fail, um, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but this is why comic book shops are so unwelcoming to women. So I was browse. I was. I go in. I just like peruse. I just like pick up random shit off shelves. Yeah. And I picked up this one big, like, um, soft cover, glossy comic book, and it was it was one of the larger versions, and, and it was like in the graphic novel sections. I picked it up, and it was called Lust. Yeah. And all it was was naked women. Like, every single page was just <laughs> yeah, naked, drawn you, women. You're like, look at this fucking bullshit over here. Yeah, and they're like, in, there's like so much... Bondage porn, pretty much. Incorrect and dangerous bondage porn. Yeah. Um, no kink shaming here, but like... It's a bad example to set for 14-year-olds who'll pick this up and be like, whose moms are just like, you got a book at the comic shop? And they've got this, like, lust book in their backpacks. (laughs) And they show it to their friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, women must like being degraded. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it does perpetuate that stereotype. And so Batman's... uh, women Female rogues gallery does often also get exploited in similar ways... Uh, especially because we're in like a gothic setting. Yeah. Like a lot of the characters end up in some kind of a, I don't want to say like a bondage costume, but close to it in a lot of cases. <laughs> we'll talk close. about that specifically with the video games, which are particularly problematic. Egregious. Um, probably the, I, I think probably the worst treatment of women in all of Batman media. Uh, there's some comics that treat them pretty bad. Yeah, it's true. Um... There's just so many. There's a lot of the, uh, what do they call it, fridging yeah. on, that goes on in, in Women Batman. Women refrigerators. Uh, Barbara Gordon's character in particular, which uh, I love the character of Barbara Gordon. There's just often too many things happen to her and not um, by through, her. through her or by her, yeah. Uh, and I feel that way about Montoya, too. Sure, yeah. Montoya is a really cool character. Yeah, in, I like Montoya. In certain stories when she's done right. Otherwise, most of the time she's just window dressing or whatever I which hate is unfortunate that comic i don't remember which batman comic it was 
But my it shows Montoya in a, in her lesbian relationship. Oh, and they're like, 52. 52. was the series. Fuck that comic. Yeah. I hate 52. <laughs> Hated 52. For those of you who don't know, 52 was a comic book event that happened. Uh, DC Comics did a thing where it was like... Uh, all of their comic book series with all of their comic book heroes like suddenly had a time jump forward like one year and everything was like different than it had been in the previous issue and so what they did was they wrote this comic called 52 which was literally released uh, once a week they had 52 issues for a year that was supposed to fill in the gap of what happened in between the missing year and Montoya who is a Gotham City police detective uh, was, had a, a major storyline in there. Uh, she's also a lesbian character, um, which is a more recent thing that was probably within the past 15 years, 20 yeah. years maybe, where she became a lesbian. Or, like, the character uh, was written to be a lesbian. Was not allowed that, to be a lesbian. Yeah, exactly. But, it, but anyway, it, go ahead. Yeah, but Montoya was originally written to be a lesbian for the titillation of men again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we won't even... We're, so, we're continuing on that train of thought. I am looking, I'm reading 52, because Jordan's like, you have to read 52, it's so good. I do think it's good. I know you think it's good, and that's, that's fair. You can like whatever you want to like. Yeah. Um, and so I'm reading it, and uh, Montoya's there with her girlfriend, and they're laying in bed together in this strappy, black, lace, <laughs> tight lingerie, <sighs> like, macking on each other, which... You know, there are many femme lesbians out there yeah. who do that. That, But, like, once you've been in a relationship for as long as yeah. they have, which was, like, 14 years or something. Well, uh, I like think that she... Years. So, I think that what happened was she was actually in this comic. I think she's in, like, a downward spiral, like, typical cop cliche. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the woman that's in the scene you're talking about in particular is someone that uh, she just, like, picked up at a bar or something like that. Oh, you know what? But regardless. You know what? No, no. Not regardless. If that's the case, I'm going to cut it more slack. Okay. Because I feel like you go, you go to a fur bar, you got your lucky panties on, you're going to want to get laid. But, like, oh, you know what? But you did mention also later on, because uh, 52 has the introduction of Batwoman, who's Kate Kane, who used to date Montoya. That's and right. They meet up at a party and share like a passionate kiss or something. That's but it's right. the way that it's drawn is incredibly sexualized for a male audience as right. opposed to a female audience, which is and like um, I, I am a queer woman. Like I can appreciate, um, you know, the beautiful aspects of women, but there's such a difference between like queer woman gaze and male gaze there's always this like sense of domination in male yeah. gaze and i just don't like it i'm like oh they just they want to be friends stop let them kiss <laughs> don't make her mean uh well <laughs> to give a, a, a good example of a lesbian relationship portrayed in media uh what what would you recommend i'm thinking of um that show uh what was it easy yeah, Easy's a the really good one. Chicago, the vignette show that has, uh, I think it's the second or third episode follows a young lesbian couple around. Yeah, Easy has a really good one. And they, they appear in other characters. Yeah, um, like to clarify, like just because there's lesbian sex in a media or like mm -hmm. lesbians in a relationship, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like, 
That's not what we're saying uh, obvi- at all. Obviously. Like, a portrayal, like, just what we're, what we're calling for is a more, like, realistic portrayal of relationships as opposed to this... Between queer women. Like, hyper male version of it that's in this comic that we talked and about. And I'm going to tell you how that's going to happen. Hire more women writers. <laughs> yeah, that's been uh, tough in the comic book industry for sure. It is not a welcoming oh, place for women. And in the movie industry and yeah. also in the publishing industry. Here, let me repeat myself. Hire more women writers. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to see somebody like at a party have a problem with that and be like, oh, but there's plenty of, male- plenty of female writers. Like, count-, count them on one fucking hand for me and see if you can get to two. Because I doubt it. I doubt you can do that on the spot. You I can, can maybe it. look it up. You can find uh, five female comic creators just off the top of your head. Marjorie Liu, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone. Ooh. Uh, I can't <laughs> Stumped remember her you. name. Um, uh, Fiona Staples. Yep, Fiona from Staples. Saga. Uh, an excellent comic. And. and uh, oh, we're Jesus. bad. Yeah, but I, I can think know. of a bunch of like graphic <laughs> novels written by women. But see, like this, this is between me and you, and we purposely go to the comic book store attempting to find female comic book writers, and we can't even get past uh, past one hand counting them. Like we we try to buy one female written or female created comic book every time we go to the store. I won't buy comics written by men. Go ahead, send the yeah. hate mail. I don't yeah. care. Jordan will do it, but I won't. <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I dare anyone to who has a problem with saying like, oh, women are in comics, like to name more than five female comic creators off the top of their head right now. And name Go ahead. Name any women of color besides Marjorie Lou. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. There's so few. It's insane. Hire more women writers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, let's see. What kind of thing do we want to experience today? We're obviously playing the Batman Arkham games. Which I cannot wait to talk about. Yeah, we'll have a lot to say about that. Because they're problematic, but I also think they're awesome at the same time. But Rachel has a great metaphor that she'll share with you later that, uh, you know, causes me to think about it. Um, Well, uh, I don't know that we need to watch any Adam West TV show Batman. Um, We can just agree not to do that. We have uh, some Batman the Animated Series we can yeah. watch. Um, we have... Uh, Batman Beyond's on Netflix right now, I think. Yeah, we can watch some of that, too. Um, Tim Burton's Batman we'll talk about. And yeah. we'll watch a Chris Nolan Batman. Whichever one you want to watch, uh, we'll go with that. Okay. And um, talk about comics in general. Talk about... Uh, well, we kind of got our comic talk out, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, let's take a break. I think those brownies are getting close to being done, and yeah. yeah, play some more Batman Arkham City in the meantime. Yeah, we'll be right back. stopped here in uh, the middle of the dark night to... The middle, the first third. Oh god, yeah. You didn't remember how long this movie was in I would have never picked it had I remembered that it was um, nine and a half hours long. Yeah, it is two and a half hours and uh, we'll see if it feels long. I think to Rachel it's already feeling long. 
Yeah, we'll get into that later. But we took a break to eat some brownies Mm -hmm. that have come out. Mm -hmm. Rachel is chewing on one right now because she went ahead (laughs) and just uh, was so incredibly rude as to just start eating all on her own. Well, fine, but I'm the one with brownie in my mouth right now and you're just spewing (laughs) spite. Well, yeah, so tell me, because you just took a bite, so tell me what you think while I uh, taste on some Oh, they're really good. They're fudgy, which is really hard with, Mm. um, like, uh, Mm sugar-free brownies in particular. They're fudgy, they're moist, Mm. they're not too sweet. Yeah, they're not. Um, But the peanut butter really helps with that, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, the texture is really good. Um, it's got kind of like almost that gooey center, mm-hmm. which is delicious mm-hmm. and, um, kind of close textured around there, but like moist at the same time. Oh yeah. Mm. No sugar in these, no refined flour. That's amazing. The, uh, are there, there's chocolate chips in this, right? Mm-hmm. You said you put some of those sugar-free chocolate chips in here? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's one. It kind of popped up in my mouth there. Yeah. This, uh. The um, brownie itself is nice and spongy. I've got a piece of it here. Just looking at that nice aerated texture there. It mm-hmm. looks beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Actually, this is my favorite brownie, I think, for sugar-free. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited. This is a, this is a good one. And um, like you said, it's not too sweet. So it doesn't really... Uh, I'm sorry. It's uh, pretty sticky. I need to drink some water. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's, um... <laughs> what was I saying? Sorry, I got you were talk- here. You were talking about um, the texture of it. Oh, the texture of it, yeah. It's nice and airy, but it's not too sweet. That's what I was talking about. It's mm. not too sweet. So it doesn't give you the... Uh... I feel like I could eat a lot of these if I wanted to. Yeah, there's a lot of peanut butter in them, but... Yeah, there's a ton of protein in these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of protein. There's protein powder in them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely better than, like, a protein candy bar that you would buy, like, a Gatorade whey Mm -hmm. protein bar or something. Yeah, I mean, it's got... These things are disgusting. And there's, like, so much sugar in them. Mm Mm-hmm. So these are pretty good, I would say. I would label these as um, delicious and not a disaster at all. Yeah, I would, too. I would say that, oh yeah, it's like nice and crumbly in some parts, mm-hmm. but then it sticks. You can kind of like dab it onto itself, mm-hmm. pick up all the little spare pieces. It's nice. <laughs> Convenient for eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would say these are not a disaster either. Not a disaster at all. What should you call that? A delight? <laughs> what's, the a delight? Of, what's the opposite of a disaster? Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm... Delight, I think. Delight, sure. Very good, yeah. So these are a delight. Yeah, these are pretty good. Yeah, I love them. All right, cool. Let's get back to uh, this long movie. We've got a ways to go. We do.
just finished watching uh, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. And by finished watching, I would say I finished about 75% of it. <laughs> the other 25%, uh, I napped a little bit. Yeah, there were some, there's some nap points for sure. Uh, <laughs> What's the move? What are the movies that inspire my biggest nap spots, Jordan? Oh my God, biggest nap spots? Definitely The Jackal. The with, Jackal. With Bruce Willis. I <laughs> fucking love that movie and I think it is so awesome and intense and like has like this cool story going on and Rachel just, you just can't make it past like five minutes and you're asleep. It's a running joke for us that uh, if Rachel needs to go to sleep and she's having a hard time, we can put on the jackal. Because yeah. <laughs> we've tried to watch it. I don't think you've ever made it past, like, I think maybe 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Yeah. You get yeah. to the part with Jack Black and you're done. <laughs> just, like, pass on. It doesn't even matter how, like, tired I am. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah. I just always fall asleep in the jackal. Sometime, though, we are going to finish that movie. Anyway... Though, we're, we're not talking about The Jackal today, we're talking about The Dark Knight. Right, and it had several nap spots in it. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of exposition um, mm-hmm. to deliver, uh, or a lot of uh, two characters talking to each other to relay information to the audience. A lot of that. Yeah, uh, a lot more than I remembered, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed this movie more than I thought I was going to, overall, um, because I, I hated this movie when it first came out. Yeah. Um, for some very specific reasons. Well, what were they? Well, I this is not my favorite interpretation of the Joker. We were talking about um, Heath Ledger's performance while the movie was going on, and I don't know. Do you agree? I think that I think his acting is actually really good, and I like the character that he's created, but I don't like it as the Joker. I I agree with that. Yeah, I would say I agree with that. I just. There's some things that he does that I think are a little over the top, and sure. I'm not. I, I don't. Yeah, I like it as a character, but not. I agree, not as the Joker. Just like a completely different kind of character. We talked about we both don't really understand what the tongue thing is that he's doing. Yeah. I don't think it fits the character that he created. Yeah. Because um, his character is clearly not insane. His like he has an agenda and a um, like a worldview. Insane people can have an agenda and a worldview. Yeah, but, I mean, his worldview is not insane. It's just, I disagree with it. Or, yeah, it's not the worldview I would subscribe to. Um, And he takes extreme actions based on that worldview. But I wouldn't say that he's necessarily insane. Would you? Um, No, I would say the Joker's insane. Really? In this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I would say he's definitely insane. I mean, at the, at the very least, he has, like, a wildly untreated personality disorder. Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess maybe maybe I'm cynical enough to just think that, like, there are, there are millions of people who have the Joker's worldview in real life, but they just don't do the extreme things that he does. Um, or they do, and they're the ones they, on yeah. the news. <laughs> yeah. And they're all young t- white men. Yeah. Uh, we've been seeing that a lot, especially with the epidemic of uh, mass shootings. Um, and, this, and this character is often, like, kind of revered amongst certain groups that um, are, that preach violence. Yeah. Um, do you have, you look like you have something to say about that. Oh, um, Yeah. I have that written down on my list as Joker as icon versus Joker as villain. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that it's a, a, a strange line that the Nolan brothers have drawn here. Um, sure. Which is when someone is interested in just, like they said in the movie, watching the world burn, is that something to be admired? You know, because yeah. he's free. Batman's not free. The Joker is free. Right. And I think that the Joker became revered in, in like, the the communities that housed a lot of young men who feel powerless uh, because their entitlements were not met. Sure. And so the real question is, what is attractive about the Joker to those communities? And I wonder if it is just like you mentioned, uh, like, true freedom. Yeah. Um, if freedom is something that you uphold above all else, then maybe this character would appeal to you in a lot of ways with ideas of anarchy. And there are certain aspects of anarchy that I think have merit in discussion. Uh, but sure. uh, there have to be rules for a society to function at all. And, and there's a reason that we as humans are societal creatures is because that's how we survive together. Right. Um, so I feel like the the idea of chaos or the idea of um, anarchy or nihilism as shown through the Joker's character, who a lot of people admire, is flawed. Because it, it almost comes from a privileged point of view where you're like, oh, you know, things... Uh, like, I, I deserve better than what I have, and this is the way I'm going to get it, by being, like, individualist or selfish. Right. Um, but I don't agree that that's the best way to happiness, and I don't agree that's the best way to get no. what you want. The best way to get what you want is to work together as a yeah. society. Um, so, yeah, I have, a, I have a pretty intense problem with... Well, not an intense problem, but I have a problem with... Uh, a disagreement with people who um, feel like nihilism is a valid option for society. I feel like nihilism... Because nihilism is like an anxiety reliever for me, where I'm just like... I'll <laughs> yeah. Wake, uh, when I'll wake in the, up in the middle of the night in a panic attack being like... I said this thing and my coworkers probably think I'm a stupid asshole. Yeah. Um, then, but then I like let it drift into my mind. That it's like, it's okay. We're all going to be dead soon anyway. Matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something to that too, though. Like that's not a, that's not something that should be completely dismissed. Like, yes, this stuff doesn't matter as much as we, we make it out to be. Right. Um, because yeah, we're all going to die one day and no one cares. Yeah. And like, if it's not going to be a giant solar flare that wipes us out, it might be a meteor. It might be us. But at the same time, in the meantime, like, we can't let that overwhelm us or else there's no, there's no reason to live. Like, yeah, there's no quality of life. Yeah. Uh, life is what you make of it. And, but, you oh know, my this, god, just spout some more platitudes. Yeah, You'll sound exactly like this movie. <laughs> that's a good segue into um, the writing of this movie. Fuck. So I think overall... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think overall, like, the major themes of the movie and, like, what the movie is trying to do are accomplished. But I don't think they're very profound. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What do you think? I guess we should clarify what the message of this movie is, I guess, which it's kind of hard to say because they... It's supposed... It's one of those pseudo-intellectual movies that's like that's designed to make people feel smart where it's just like think about this philosophical question security or privacy <laughs> and I'm like that fuck you movie yeah um, I mean and, I do think that this I do think it's ambitious of 
Christopher Nolan to make a movie that's so based around um, like a moral quandary, but I don't think that he made it very interesting, which is kind of my problem with it. That's because it's a moral quandary that's been pondered to death. Yeah, exactly. Can we ponder some other moral quandary, please? Well, let's talk about some of the... uh, well, what is the main message of this movie, I guess? Like, they say it a couple times, which you hate this line, when they say, uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Is like, they say that a few times. Which you know? is meaningless. <laughs> it's such a meaningless statement. Like, oh, it's one of those word salad things that people love and just, like, yeah. put it on a poster and... Like, live a, or die a hero, live a villain, those are opposite things. Right. So you put those things in the same sentence, and if they're both true, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I hate that. And I don't, I don't believe that, first of all, like, die a hero means, like, you can, it's that whole, like, stupid, stupid idea. Die young, well, and leave a pretty corpse. Yeah. Like... It's just so goofy. And and so, therefore, the message of this movie, it, to me, is just like a smattering of pseudo-intellectual ideas mm-hmm. loosely bound together, and, but bouncing around in a basket. Yeah, what are some of the other things that they say? Because um, we wrote a couple of them down, I think. Most of them come from... I mean, a lot of the, the quote-unquote clever lines that are in here are really just like cliched platitudes that are spewed by characters. Like uh, Harvey Dent is constantly asking people or like forcing people into a coin flip to make decisions, but really his coin is heads on both sides. So he's like making his own luck. And he says that a couple times, like, I make my own luck. Yeah, and people spout that as if it's like something interesting. And I mean, you know... It's not. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and answer that one for you. It's not Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. Yeah, you've got a district attorney who's doing that before he gets half of his body melted. Um, I think that he was a little unhinged beforehand. And I think that's... I I would say that's on purpose. They did that on purpose. I think so. Well, and and because, too, this this movie is based heavily on uh, one of our favorite Batman comics, The Long Halloween. Yeah. Um, It is not done nearly as subtly i don't think oh, i don't either um or as in a interesting um way but yeah i mean like the basics of harvey dent becoming two-faced and uh like their war on um crime in gotham and blah 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 like the basic themes are the same yeah and, and the mob involvement and yeah um i mean i guess we talked about action scenes while we were watching this sure. movie uh, some of them are are pretty good, I think, and the practical effects are decent. Yeah, they blew up a whole building. I like that. They blew up <laughs> yeah. a building not on computers in real life. Yeah, uh, we looked it up. It's uh, it was the part where the Joker blows up the uh, hospital, which mm-hmm. is Gotham General Hospital in the movie, was actually uh, Brax Candy Factory up in uh, the Chicago area, and it was set to be demolished. So they just demolished it. Um, spectacularly for the movie yeah uh, which i thought was fun Um, that is fun and uh you know there's some car chases that you liked yeah i like car chases jordan will tell you i will watch fast and the furious tokyo drift every six months if he'll let me yeah (laughs) that's the best one (laughs) i guess we should talk about um i kind of want to 
like kind of rank how we feel about each character in comparison to the other versions of them. Sure. Uh, and we'll start with the most obvious one, which is Batman, I guess. Um, I don't know. Would you? How do you feel about Christian Bale's portrayal of this character of Batman slash Bruce Wayne? So let's think about. I want to think about the other portrayals of Batman in film. So there. Well, that. I want to go across all mediums or media across all media. Yeah, I do too. But I have to start in, oh, okay. in start this category, sure. which is in movies, which is Adam West, George Clooney. Yeah, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Oh yeah, Val Kilmer. Uh, in Batman Forever, mm-hmm. we've got um, uh, Michael Keaton, who was in Batman and Batman Returns, the two Tim Burton ones. We're gonna watch uh the first one later on. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I think, and that's uh, then we got Ben Affleck. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, how do you how do you feel that um, old Christian Bale stands up? Um, I don't like his voice. Yeah. We. Oh man, it was pretty funny at some points. Like, I like the idea, and there's some in the comics where they talk about him like it's going to different countries to try and make a voice that sounds scary so it sounds like different uh, animal growls and stuff like that which yeah. I I like that idea but in practice with a real human being um, doing it at some points it can sound pretty silly yeah especially I, when they say more than a few words at once right and, and I think Christian Bale does as well as he can yeah I would have I think if I was to, I thought it was kind of an odd casting choice. I think about him as Patrick Bateman a lot. Yeah. And so. I Pat- wonder if that's why they kind of considered him as like maybe for the Bruce Wayne aspect. Because you yeah. can pretty much put anybody in a, in a Batman suit and it's hard to really tell who they are. Right. Um, I thought, I don't know. He's in the middle for me. He's not the worst, but he's not the best. Yeah. Like, I, I, so I do really like his Bruce Wayne in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I like to think about characters that are good at portraying Bruce Wayne and I do like that yeah. he kind of they focus on him keeping um, his cover by basically acting like a rich asshole all yeah. the time um, which I, I feel is true to the character yeah his Batman is, is yeah like you said I kind of agree I think he's fine just kind of yeah. he's not bad not great who's your favorite portrayal of Batman in the movies in the movies yeah if we're talking about just the movies I mean, it may be, it may be Christian Bale, but I do I do like the portrayal of Batman not by Ben Affleck, but the way that he was portrayed in the Justice League movies, except for uh, all the fucking guns that he has and like shooting people. Like that yeah. was uh, way outside the character for me, and was not a place I wanted to go with it. No, um, I like the way that Ben Affleck looks. Yeah, as Batman. I guess it might be Christian Bale. I don't know. It's hard for. I like Val Kilmer's a lot too. <laughs> I like Val Kilmer as Batman because he like uh, is a little bit quippy. Yeah. Um, I don't like a Batman that's too brooding because I don't either. And Christian Bale's is so brooding. I, I mean, I do like that he broods, but because we all brood, but you know, we can't. Like, you got to take a break, Batman. You got to make some jokes. <laughs> yeah. Which he did attempt to make some jokes. Um, the first thing I've written on here is bathos. Yeah. Um, which is like we talked about before, not letting 
the audience sit with an uncomfortable feeling instead of making a wisecrack to like yeah. distract you from it. And not even just an uncomfortable feeling, but just like any sort of commitment to feeling, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were moments where he would jump in and make a joke. And, you know, it was like the beginning of that. Yeah, but it, it kind of like, to me, it felt tonally inconsistent. Right. And this yeah. movie, I felt like, kind of suffered from that problem watching it now. Like, I mean, because there's part, like, there is a certain tone that it strikes that I actually really like. Yeah. Uh, where it does kind of settle into, okay, we're doing Batman in the real world. Yeah. But then occasionally it, um, it doesn't commit fully to that. Mm-hmm. And we'll have Batman, like, wisecracking about his broken ribs or something like that. Like, yeah. And it, it pulls me out of what I feel like Christopher Nolan was trying to do with this series, or at least it was kind of sold to us that way as being, like, you know, realistic Batman. Batman in, in America. Yeah, bat, bat can't. Uh, Batman camp erased. Yeah, exactly. You know? They're like, okay, we're not going to do any more of that Joel Schumacher nipple armor stuff <laughs> with all the neon. Like, we're going to make, we're going to take this seriously. And in the places where they do take it seriously, I think they really do succeed pretty well um, for a superhero movie. If yeah. I put, I've got to put that qualifier on there. Yeah. I feel like superheroes and other genre fiction suffer from, like, all kinds of preconceptions about them. Oh, sure. And I think this movie suffers from it, too, where comic books, you know, people still think, oh, those are for 14-year-old boys. Yeah. You know, and, like, it's when, the same... When, as the ones we've read are clearly not. But... No, no, they're not. Or they shouldn't be, anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and the same sort of thing goes for, like, sci-fi and fantasy. It's like, oh, that's for nerds. That's for... That's for people who don't go out. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, I guess now superheroes are kind of becoming a, tr- a, a pretty big trend. I think we're maybe over the hump and we're kind of going on a downswing. Maybe. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. I'm getting tired of We were trying to go see a movie this last weekend, and there was nothing there that wasn't owned by Disney. Uh, it was really kind of funny, but also a little frustrating. Bow down to your overlords, everyone. Yeah. It's a uh, magic fucking kingdom. Because, you know, I don't mind watching those movies every now and then. Ra- Rachel is uh, pretty adamantly opposed. Would you yes. say adamantly opposed? Yes. Um, I would say adamantly opposed because they're... And... You know, if some of my Disney loving friends are listening, I'm sorry. I love you guys, but and and Jordan is one of my Disney loving friends. Oh yeah, no, I'm I drank that Kool Aid a long time ago. Um, but I I acknowledge that there's a like you can get tired of this kind of same movie that's that's made over and over. Yeah. And but you know what? I really liked I liked Moana. Moana, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I did like that one. Yeah. It was an interesting and different story. Yeah. About I, different subject matter that we hadn't heard about before, which was nice. Disney is trying to be inclusive, but it's just too goddamn big. It's like overshadowing and overtaking everything, and therefore there's not going to be like enough views. Well, that's so that kind of brings me to one of the problems that I have with this movie is that it is kind of a story we've heard a million times before. Yes. Like the, the white man's struggle has been mined to death. It's gone. There's nothing left to learn. We have experienced it. In Neo, all of our the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's that's why I do like to watch movies that deal about with 
you know, people of color's experiences or women's experiences. Because you know what? We, we don't have a whole ton of movies that uh, explore that. And so it is, in a way, a new thing. Even though half of our population experiences it every day. Yeah. Like, how is this possible that we still don't have, like, a, an understanding of how a woman feels as a society? I think that's absurd. Yeah, they still don't have that. And they, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I think that it was, like, Wonder Woman was a bold effort, but didn't come close to touching where it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, liked the, I liked that it exists, and I did think that it was better than some other superhero movies at first, and then it kind of devolves back into yeah. what we've seen a million times. There's blue light in the sky. They've fight all gotta, it! <laughs> gotta fight it, punch it to death, and then, you know, you're done. And then you get the girl or the boy. There were some inter- interesting interactions, but it didn't go much further than that. But anyway, back to the Dark Knight and the characters. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Joker. Um, okay. The other, I, I would say he's a lead in this movie. Yeah, the, like the, the other um, embodiments of the Joker. Yeah, how would you say he uh, Heath Ledger um, ranks for you? <laughs> Where does Jared Leto rank for you from Suicide Squad? If you were, if you even remember it, I do. Um, I actually was going to talk about that. Strangely enough, um, I thought that embodiment, like that physical embodiment of the Joker worked really well. See, I hated it. I, I didn't like it. I didn't, that, that's, I didn't say I liked Jared Leto's portrayal, but I liked the aesthetics of The it. physical, yeah. uh, the look. Yeah, I liked the look the of that Joker a lot. And the reason I liked the look of that Joker a lot um, is because I believe that it mimics a new kind of era of joker sure which is like skrillex is a joker yeah you know like <laughs> we're living in this um decades version of vampire the masquerade and that's the joker that lives in that world yes. um yeah you know i i can't i i see where you're coming from personally his physical aesthetic was was not for me i i that's like fair. a more traditional joker i actually liked heath portray uh heath ledger's Physical, I like. Yeah, uh, you know, I was okay with I was okay with this one more so than Jared Leto, for sure. I kind of like all of them. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's they're all different in their own ways and interesting. Mm -hmm. Except maybe for Cesar Romero from Adam West because he had Uh, like pancake makeup over his mustache. (laughs) You can literally see. Um, Yeah. He was silly, but he did look an awful lot like the comic book Joker. Uh, So yeah, where would you say Heath? Um, ranks in in the middle there. We've got uh, let's see, Jared Leto. We've got uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Um, are we comparing to stuff outside the movies? We're we gonna talk about Mark Hamill. We're we gonna yeah. do that a little bit later. <laughs> wow, you sound like you're are we, asking uh, Rachel. Are you gonna talk about this that? It's like that? something out of Fargo. You're like, <laughs> okie dokie. Are you gonna? Are we gonna talk about this thing? Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that true coat. Okay, you <laughs> You're going to want that true coat. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Um, I think he was, it was a, a fine portrayal, and there were, I would say there were moments that were a lot better than all the other Jokers. Yeah, I would say that it definitely had his moments. Like, I, the pencil thing was really clever. 
Yeah, I, I like that because it's dark and it's also funny mm-hmm. um, in a sick way, I like which I feel he, like the Joker should be. I like whenever he pulls him out, he's like, I'm driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what? That was pretty funny. I, I forgot a lot about the, the stuff. My initial complaint when I first saw this movie was because of the Joker. Um, we'll get into this more in depth later, but Mark Hamill is by far my favorite interpretation oh, of the Joker. Too. Um, it's not even fair to compare him, though. No, I, I feel like he's miles beyond anyone else who's portrayed the Joker. He, he, like, no one else can do it. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, I, I do think that Heath Ledger had a, a pretty clear vision for what he wanted to portray, and yeah. he did a really good job of doing it while still acknowledging the history of like a, a character who is like kind of beloved by... A fairly large fan base, I'd say. Sure. You think? Um, yeah, there were funnier moments than I remember. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that I didn't like. We talked about the tongue thing. Um, is with, there anything else that you can think of? With the Joker's portrayal? Yeah, I mean... I thought that there were some lines that were nonsensical and not interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you have an example of one off the top of your head? or? I can't. Like, all I can just remember is, like, watching his mouth move and being like, that's nonsense. I remember we were, I mean, overall we were kind of, like, sometimes the things that he says, I'm like, okay, that's, you know, a 15-year-old, like, went on the Wikipedia page for philosophy and, like, made up a worldview and then said some things angrily to someone else. Like, that's that's how I feel about the Joker, some of the Joker's lines. Oh, hell yeah. Um, where I'm just like, yeah, okay, I get it. We've all thought about that a long time ago, my friend. Like, it's not going to be as amazing to you when you experience a little bit more of the world. Yeah. Uh, God, I I feel old saying that. I'm not very old, but I am very grumpy, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I, I mean, it was fine. There there were shining moments of brilliance. There were moments uh, that didn't work. Yeah. But it was a risk, and I appreciate that Heath Ledger took a risk. Yeah, I do too, and it, it was different. And yeah. that's and you know what? I'll take something different over the same thing done media, in a mediocre way. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so, I think, or go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so what about the... There weren't any other characters, really. I mean, Jim Gordon... Uh, yeah, he hasn't Gordon. really been like he's never really oh, been Alfred. featured in the movies as much. You did mention that you really liked Michael Caine's Alfred. I yeah. do, I do like Michael Caine's Alfred. Why is that? I feel like he's because I felt like in the animated series he was kind of like disdainful and a little, snot, a little snotty. Yeah, uh, snobby. I guess is a better word. <laughs> snotty. What is a that? Little, a little, yeah, a little snobby. A little um, like paternal with Batman sure. and I really like that Michael Caine kept that yeah um, but at the same time established that like earlier you know he had been hunting for jewels in sure. Bombay yeah in uh, Burma I oh, think Burma. he says yeah so it implies that he used to be maybe like British SAS or something similar yeah which is true to certain interpretations in the comics where um, Alfred like was a, a British Army field medic or like had some special services uh, training and so that's another reason that he's so important to Batman is because he also uh, you know knows how to handle himself in crisis situations where Batman might need trauma surgery or some shit like that like he does know how to coordinate like tactical um, 
information for uh, for Batman. So he is more useful and more capable um, in some interpretations. And I like that version of him here. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I also just like Michael Caine's voice. It, it's a soothing voice. He's got a really soothing voice. And I like his look, too. Um so does Christopher Nolan, apparently, because he's in, like, every one of his movies. He, like, yeah, he likes that look. And I can see why. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I can't even... I can remember the Alfred from Batman and Robin, which is this little doddering old man. Yeah. I didn't like him. Yeah, he's... Like, I liked him when I was a kid, because it's like, oh, a sweet grandpa. Like, I want a sweet grandpa like Alfred. Um, and... <laughs> too bad, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, too bad. <laughs> you've got who you've got. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, looking looking at it now as like someone who really likes to explore different versions of Batman, that's not my favorite version. I, I don't like it. I like when Alfred cares like personally about Bruce Wayne, um, but not to the extent that he also doesn't really help much with Batman's goals. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's not a comparison character here, really, but I want to talk about Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, uh, whose name is also Rachel. Party over here. Who gets uh, fridged about halfway through this movie. She sure does. <laughs> she becomes a woman in a refrigerator. Yeah. If y'all don't know, there's a trope, um, mostly in comics, but also kind of in comic book movies, It's the term applies. But uh, comic books are kind of notorious for doing what's called uh, fridging a, a female character. Yeah. Um, in a lot of comics, there are the women exist to motivate the hero, uh, and usually by dying in a horrible way. Uh, the term comes from a comic that I, I can't remember specifically which one it was, but um, the the male protagonist's female. Um, love interest i suppose uh is like chopped up and put in a refrigerator to you know bring uh some suffering to that hero's life to bring some purpose to that character's story it all began in the bible y'all check it out last <laughs> the chapter. book of judges yeah. yeah check out the last book of judges yeah um don't it'll just make you sad but yeah so rachel dawes uh played by maggie joan hall is uh murdered about halfway through this movie um, by a, a big explosion that the Joker sets up. Uh, so she doesn't have much of a character arc in this movie, but do you have any thoughts on her um, pre-fridging? <laughs> I mean, she's flat. She's as flat It's hard as to she... remember much about her, honestly. She's flat as she can be. Maggie Gyllenhaal is fine, I guess. Um, I thought she was an odd choice for this movie. I, I feel like she's an odd choice for most movies, honestly. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the Gyllenhaal dynasty. <laughs> dynasty? Yeah. There's two of them. It's a dynasty. I Jake love it. and Maggie. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, she was, she was two-dimensional. She was, um, she had a job. That's cool. Yeah, it seemed like her job was to relay information to the audience yeah. <laughs> was was one of the biggest things nap point and yeah she relays information to the audience and she provides motivation for batman to do some of the things that he does like yeah. try to rescue her and and blah 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 uh yeah pretty boring character and flawed overall people of color there were a significant number of people of color in this movie significant in, I, I would say significant but they're in very minor roles all across the board 
Um, there's Lucius Fox, and that's all I can think yeah, of. Yeah, Morgan Freeman is Lucius Fox. Uh, there's the commissioner, the original commissioner, who's black, um, but is killed about halfway through the movie. Uh, and isn't named. And, well, the, yeah, he is named. He's Commissioner Loeb. Oh. Uh, and they mention his name a couple times, but it's always in passing. He's not characterized at all other than, I'm the commissioner, oh no, I'm dead. Um, the judge is a, a Latina woman, I believe. The mayor is Latino. Um, there's a Latina uh, police officer who betrays uh, Harvey Dent. Um, Ramirez is her name. Yeah. yeah. But they're all pretty minor and tangential to the plot. Yeah, I mean, it's white dudes all the way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, even uh, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox doesn't really have much to do. Um, yeah, he, like, threatens a Chinese businessman. Yeah, and he plays a pretty classic Morgan Freeman character, I feel like. Yeah. So what else do you have to say about this movie? What do you think? Um, I have some beefs with, like, just the technical aspects of this film. Sure, yeah. You mentioned the editing. The editing is weird. Um, and I didn't notice it until you mentioned it, too. That wasn't a, a problem I'd noticed before, but it definitely was evident this time. Yeah, there are some really hard cuts to, like, strange places, and yeah. it, it jars me. Yeah, I was surprised because uh, usually editing problems are pretty obvious because, like, you either won't be able to follow what's going on or uh, things drag, like, too much for, like, semi-unexplained <laughs> reasons. Yes, um, like in parts one, two, and three of this movie. Yeah, but I thought that the dragging, originally I thought the slowdown parts were because of the writing, and partially they are. Yeah. But there, there is some odd editing that's going on. It's really hard to describe on a radio show without having examples, um, yeah. like right in front of us. Uh, but yeah, it was a little strange. There were some strange cuts there, and the sound engineering, which everybody raved about. Yeah. The, all I kept saying, like the only thing that kept running through my head was, "This is loud." This is loud. I can't hear her. Now this is too loud. Yeah, I had the controller or the remote in my hand the entire movie. And, like, we have a surround sound system, and I love to put it through its paces. But this was getting pretty ridiculous where, like, um, I have it I have it turned all the way up to hear a scene where they're just talking because there are a lot of those. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, there's a huge explosion that just, like pierces my eardrums yeah yeah and um i have to turn it right back down and it's over and over and over like that yeah and so the pacing was there was some problems with the pacing and the writing and there's problems with editing and sound engineering um and the uh, the only the other beefs i have with this movie is um <laughs> and i wrote it <laughs> i take notes whenever we're watching these movies and one of my notes is so much talking and the <laughs> other is so many platitudes <laughs> Oh man, um, and and for me, like the thing that Forrest Gump did better than this movie was there was always action happening underneath the narration. Yeah, they they Forrest Gump was effective in showing instead of telling, which yeah. is always appreciated in this household. Yes. Um, the Dark Knight, not so much. Mm -hmm. There was some showing in some scenes, uh, so they clearly knew how to do it. But they for they foregoed uh, that option often. Yeah. Uh, and that was frustrating. Yeah. So I would say that, like, overall, um, this is a pretty weak Batman. Yeah, it's not my favorite. I Like, in terms of Batman movies, I would say it's probably one of the more professionally produced. Yeah, uh, I would say that. It, it like, 
the people who were involved in making this movie knew how to make movies and, and made them. Um, but they did it in a way that uh, didn't really break a whole lot of boundaries yeah. and stayed in a pretty safe area where a mass audience can understand what's going on and identify with characters and their motivations and their philosophies. Which is a, f- I mean, we have to acknowledge that that's a tough thing to do, um, I think, at least to do it well. It's just not something that elevates it to uh, art, you know? Uh, I would say that it's not as hard as you think. Uh, I would say there are children's shows that do it all the time. Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like we should celebrate those shows because they are accomplishing something special. I don't think oh, that... Yeah, but I don't, but I think that if someone gives you like what, $80 million, however much this was made for, you should be able to, like, <laughs> get the, the bones of a movie is the writing. I guess we should talk about Two-Face. We kind of glossed over that. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned you don't like uh, Aaron Eckhart as uh, Harvey Dent. I don't like Aaron Eckhart at all. Yeah. He's kind of a, a vanilla man in general. I feel like if I ran into him in person, he'd be a giant douche, but would be, like, <laughs> on some plebeian transportation system, like yeah. the subway, and he'd be like, he's like, what are you doing? Don't touch my arm. <laughs> Why are you touching strangers' arms on the subway? Not on purpose, but, like, you brush past him, and oh, he's yeah, just like... He's like... He's like, do you know who I am? And I'm like, why are you on the subway, Aaron? <laughs> He's like, I'm just like you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, fucker. Um, so that's how I feel about Aaron Eckhart in general. But I also just don't think that... For me, the best interpretation of Two-Face was animated animated series. Yeah, it was definitely uh, one of the most tragic. Um, yeah. I feel like The Long Halloween is probably a close second yeah. for me. Yeah. And then... Um, I, I I mean, there aren't very many other versions of it that are worth mentioning. No. Um, well, Tommy Lee Jones? Tommy Lee Jones. I, so I did say in the middle of the movie that I, I have a soft spot for Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face, even yeah. though it's really silly. I like it. Um, the one thing I'll say is that I feel like Batman Forever is a tonally consistent movie. Yes. So I do, I do recognize that that Two-Face is not as cool or as... Um, professionally produced as this one but i don't think he's that cool in this one i think he's boring yeah he looks interesting uh but at some points the cg looks bad it it was weird because it was kind of like when it was further away it looked worse when (laughs) it was close up it actually looked really good i wouldn't say really good i would say for the time i mean this was 2008 you know yeah i guess so in context but that that just to me shows how much bullshit CG is because like if you can have a movie from like 10 years ago that looks in some ways as good or better than some of the CG movies we have coming out now yeah like the technology is a waste and you should probably focus on other avenues of filmmaking I think yeah um so yeah the strong feelings on the CG I guess so yeah yeah, so, I mean, we've got a lot of other things to do. We're, uh, and play we some more Arkham. Play some more Arkham. Um, watch the uh, 1989 Batman and possibly uh, some of the animated series and talk about those. So Yeah. Let's take a look at those and then we'll come back. How about it? We'll be right back.
So, Batman the Arkham series. Yes. Um, you've played uh, most of the first one, and I'd say you're probably about a quarter of the way through Arkham City. Yeah. Which is the, the best one, I think. Okay. Uh, initial thoughts. Um, I could see... I mean, like, the fighting sequences, you do get, like, a little hit of dopamine, because... Even for you, do you get that, too? I get it a little bit. A little bit. But, like, I only... I guess my brain is, like, some resistance to those little hits of dopamine, because it'll be fun for me for, like, an hour. Sure. Maybe. And then afterwards, my brain's, like, "Mm, bored. Starts to get a little repetitive for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a danger with um, games like this that have, like, a pretty limited... uh, well, it has a limited number of buttons. A lot of different right. combinations that you can explore, but uh-huh. you don't have to. And I think that if... Uh, I think it can get fairly repetitive over time. Yeah, like you said. Hey. I, I do really enjoy the combat sequences. They give me that feeling of... Uh, they give you that little hit of dopamine. Yeah, they do. And um, they make me feel really good at something, even though it's just a stupid video game. You know? Yeah. Uh, for that brief moment, it is kind of neat. And so that being repeated over and over is pretty cool for me. Yeah. Um, it's not for me. But I don't care that much about that. Sure. Um, I like the controls. For me, like, video games have to have um, good controls or I can't navigate the game at all. I do have a little trouble navigating this game. Yeah, well, like you said, um, or like I said, I guess it was, uh, while we were playing, uh, you do fine outside. Uh, It's inside where it gets you. And I do think that it's difficult in a game like this where they have so much of a massive design that when you get into a small space that's supposed to be one design, like it's kind of repeated over and over. Right. So it does make it kind of difficult to navigate individual places. Yeah, well, I mean, it may be easier for more seasoned video game players um but for me it's kind of hard to navigate um the fighting sequences are fun but eh, like you know what about like the stealth uh sequences where you're kind of trying to like pick people off one by one or that's that's more fun for me but it also gets repetitive yeah um the one thing i mean i want to get to my metaphor about this game okay um which is, like, you tout this game a lot. You tout how much you love it and how much fun it is. Sure. Um, but for me, what throws everything off, which makes me not trust it or even want to like it at all, is the way that Catwoman and Poison Ivy are dressed. Yeah. And uh, that's a problem that's, like, rampant throughout all three games, is the sexualization of women. Mm-hmm. And even with some sexualized violence as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame because, like, these games are, I think, are so good and it's just, like, poisoned a little bit. You had a good metaphor for this. I said, it doesn't matter how delicious the egg drop soup is if there's a cockroach in it. Yeah. And so, because that shows the, the kitchen that the egg drop soup, no matter how delicious it is, is coming from is dirty. Oh, sure. Um... For me, I think, though, my metaphor would be more of, like, a <laughs> a worm and an apple. Because, like, you can eat around the worm, but it's still, like, you know that that... If you did that, you'd think to yourself the whole time, like, I know there was a worm in here. 
And also, I might bite into it again. Yeah. It, yeah, maybe there's more of it in here. Why am I still taking a bite of this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not, those metaphors are not that different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, when it's a liquid and it's, like, permeated throughout everything, I do think, because I do think that, like, those parts can be, like, contained to the <laughs> corners of the game that they're in, but it's, like, they're still there and you're still forced to see them. So it's I think, like, yeah, I think that you're trying to make a justification for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just trying to say that, like, I, I mean, I totally agree that that is an embarrassing part of this game mm-hmm. uh, that shouldn't be there. But I still enjoy playing the game for the other parts of it. And, I, don't know, and I don't really know how to reconcile that. I, I don't think that I can. I just have to unapologetically do it, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, that's an important thing for people to understand that, like, everything that we like has problems. Everything that you like has problems. And either you can get past those problems and eat around the worm, so to speak. Sure. Or you get squicked out by the whole thing and throw it in the garbage. Or you go to the, uh, you go to the apple farmer and say, hey, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Why are you giving me these, these wormy apples? Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I mean, I, I, it's difficult cause there's like, the only real voice that we have is not buying these games and I like them enough that I mean I just I will still give them the money and that's a problem I think yeah it's a problem yeah that's your problem yeah um so that's something I've got to come to terms with I guess yeah you might have to start like doing extra hustles so that you can buy those games with your own money not my money (laughs) yeah uh, so, I mean, other parts of the game, um, the story elements, we talked about, uh, versions of, um, Batman and the other characters mm-hmm. in, uh, our Dark Knight review, but, um, how do you feel about Batman in this game? He's like a generic placeholder Batman. Sure, yeah, I... See, I kind of like him because he's, he's voiced by the same guy as the animated series, um, who I really like Yeah. Uh, as a voice for Batman. Yeah. I think I still like animated series Batman better than Arkham Batman. The writing's better. Yeah, and I mean, there's more of it. There's more source material to pull from. But this is, I think this is a good enough thing. Like, Batman's not supposed to have a whole ton of personality. I mean, he's, yeah. he's supposed to be kind of a blank slate to... Um, like for other characters to bounce off of, I sure. I think. Sure. Um, so yeah, how do you think he ranks up? Uh, you said just kind of av- average, like compared to other Batmans. He's fine. I mean, I probably like him better than any of the others because he's not grating in any way. <laughs> There's not anything to be mad at him about. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, and yeah, I think for me. He's behind the animated series Batman and then before most of the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard to get somebody who can actually be Batman. Like, somebody you can believe would run around in a suit and, like, take it seriously. I think that's part of what I like about this game as far as the tone. Is that it's still got that, like, otherworldliness to it. Yeah. Um, that I think Batman needs to make any sense. Jay-Z would be a good Batman. <laughs> Jay-Z would yeah. be a good Batman. He's a billionaire playboy, and he's like, nobody would suspect him. 
Nobody would suspect Jay-Z, that's for damn sure. Jay-Z, you should be Batman. <laughs> you think people would figure it out when they're like, I could tell Batman was here because there's some really nice cigars that I can smell in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually they piece it together like, that's Jay-Z's brand. That's, Jay-Z did that. That's his <laughs> fragrance. Wow, Jay-Z. That can't is, be. Jay-Z is Batman. Yeah. But his Arkham City would be Brooklyn. Oh, man. That'd be so good. <laughs> well, how do you feel about, speaking of the city, how do you feel about the, um, so this is like a, this game, Arkham City, the game we're playing, is set in like a sealed off old Gotham area. How do you yeah. feel about the location and like the setting? Um, I like the set pieces. I think that it's aesthetically really pleasing and kind of neat to look at. Sure. Um, I keep going around being like, what kind of shithole is this? <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably good. I think that's the, the tone they wanted to evoke. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like it. The It's got that gothic theme to it. Um, sure. Kind of like, almost like a Victorian gaslight era um, origins to the architecture and everything, which sure. is a period that I think is interesting for this kind of a, like gothic horror tone so I think it works really well it kind of gives you that uh, Sherlock Holmes vibe that yeah. Batman tries to evoke sometimes sure um, the okay so characters uh, as opposed to their other portrayals uh, the Joker in this one I like this Joker a lot I do too he might be my favorite out of all the media including animated series like I think I like this one this ver this Mark Hamill voiced version of the Joker better than the cartoon one. Uh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and stick with my cartoon one. Yeah, and why is that? Um, I just like we got to spend a lot more time with him. Um, sure. And also, the cartoon one was a little funnier. Yeah, he's a little sillier. Um, still sinister, but yeah. uh, a little goofier. This this Joker is funny though, and I think. The jokes are a little bit darker. I think that, obviously, they're going for, like, a more grim and gritty yeah. um, Batman universe. But I think, it, like, I like the Joker being, like, particularly cruel and violent and still being funny. But, like, a little bit more so than the, the animated show. Kind of reminds me of, like, a toddler stomping on frogs. That's... <laughs> Who the Joker does? Yeah. Yeah, just to do it for yeah, whatever Yeah, just to be like spiteful and hateful yeah um so yeah i mean i do really like this version of him i think that uh i mean it's far superior to jared leto and that's another version where they're trying to go grim and gritty i know you like the physical appearance but um even so um other than that i mean we haven't seen a whole lot of characters you like the penguin oh yeah i like the character design of the penguin with the bottle um Stuck in around his eye as a, yeah. a replacement for a monocle. I think that was a clever idea. It was. I mean, my complaints about the Batman game are always the same. They're the same as they were for the first one, too. Yeah. Which is like, it's hard for me to navigate. I don't really care about the stakes. The women are dressed in a way that makes me feel like their men built them for other men's pleasure. Yeah. Like, it's almost like when somebody draws a cartoon of, like, boobs to, like, look at and whack off to. And you're like, what the fuck? You just drew that for yourself? Weird. I have a feeling that some of these comic book artists do that sometimes. Like, they, like, draw their comic characters naked and, like, jerk off to it. Like, Maybe. why else? Why would you draw these characters this way? 
yeah. It's shameful. Well. You should be ashamed, comic book artists. Oh, all right. No, I think it's... I don't know. There's a lot that I have to say about that, but it's probably for another podcast. It's just... I, I really just want to see, like... If we're going to have capable women like Catwoman... Yeah. Um, they need to be, like, in gear that is sensible for them, that makes them look powerful, too. Yeah, exactly. Not, not vulnerable, like... Her chest is completely out. <laughs> Somebody could just shoot her with a gun right in the chest. She'd be dead. Yeah, meanwhile, Batman's in, like, full body armor. People will be like, well, she can distract him with her boobs. Well, why didn't Batman walk around with his dong out? Like, he could That's totally... That's pretty distracting. Yeah, like, no one would fight him if he was just a naked man in a bat mask running around beating people up. <laughs> like, you can't stop that guy. I bet there's a porn... Because you've got other things on your mind, motherfucker. I bet there's a porn parody of that. There's gotta be. Oh my god. Batman's dong. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Batman outfit and a cape and boots, but nothing else. Yeah. Amazing. Um an interesting thing about this game too, this one in particular, not so much in the first one or uh Arkham Knight that came after, but this game in particular says bitch a lot. It does say uh, bitch a lot. To the point where it's like, what the fuck? Like, they really don't say any other bad words at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, more minor ones, I guess, like damn. Yeah. Or hell. But, like, they're constantly calling uh, Catwoman and pretty much any other woman a bitch. Yeah. Uh, the whole time. So it comes across as, like... It's just not pleasant to hear over and over. Well, I think it's that, like, network TV thing that they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here's the line. You can say bitch a lot in network TV and cable TV for some reason. You can't say shit or fuck, though. Yeah, they can say ass, but not asshole. Yeah. And you can say damn, but not goddamn. So they're going by cable TV rules. Yeah, I think so. That's what they can get away with to make it sound as dark as possible without using worse words. And, I mean, I get that, too, but, like, maybe they should have varied it up a little bit more, because it just, it's it's to the point where it's noticeable, and that's a problem. Like, I shouldn't be drawn out of the world to confront this issue that, uh, where it's like, oh, a bunch of male writers, like, added this in. Uh, I don't know. It bugs me. Yeah, it's, it's irritating, and it, it's a gendered slur. It sucks. Yeah. But I'm so used to it at this point. I'm like, well, at least they're not hitting women. Oh, wait, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even Batman uh, hits Harley Quinn a couple times. I know that she's a bad person and all that. Yeah. But it's just not portrayed as if she's... Like, if she was, like, a threat that was, like, you know, somebody who actually was endangering Batman. But it's always just as a dismissive, like... Swatting her Backhand or something, like... It's almost like a pimpan thing. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, these characters are supposed to be powerful. Don't bring any bitches in here. <laughs> Don't bring any bitches in here. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, yeah, like, I, I actually think it would be far more interesting to have, you know, Poison Ivy in her lair, like, still in her lab coat with her glasses, but, like, plants are grown all through it and it's, like, destroyed. But yeah. it's still, like, almost sewn to her body by... Uh, you know, root vines and stuff like that. Like, it would be fucking cool. She's a scientist and an eco-terrorist. Like, she's supposed to be a little more interesting than just, like, seductress. Yeah. 
which is boring. They're all seductresses. Yeah. And I mean, Harley Quinn is just emotionally abused, like, (laughs) beyond... That that really is in her character, but Christ, that's all we can think of anymore, is to write, oh, this woman was emotionally abused, this woman was sexually abused. Like, none of them have any other identity other than that. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. It's... That's the problem. Like, I don't think I'll play any more of this game because I'm done with yeah. it. I mean, like, I like the remainder of the story and everything, but I'll just tell you the gameplay doesn't get a whole lot more varied. Like, there's a lot of different types of gameplay, but you're just repeating them over and over in different orders with new people and more people. Okay, well, I would say this game is... Um another exercise in uh like penis fencing <laughs> what penis say. fencing what does that mean like um bonobos will do this thing called penis fencing as um a way not for dominance but chimps will do it for dominance where they like take their wieners and just like fence with them like swords yeah <laughs> that's what i feel like you you don't know anyone that does that we have like we have a penis fencing club in our backyard <laughs> every Thursday. Well, I feel like <laughs> the, the creators of Batman should join that. Yeah. Penis fencing club. It is. I mean, it's, it is male-dominated to the max, and it is meant for a male audience. Cis-het male audience. Which I is a say. shame, because uh, they perhaps could have reached out and had even more sales. But I don't know. Will we lose people for, like, don't inject feminism into my video games my eyeballs just rolled up into the back of my head yeah well let's uh let's get to watching um what tim burton's batman yeah yeah let's see that one see how we how we feel about it i feel good about this we'll be right back just finished uh batman from 1989 the tim burton batman yes considerably better than dark knight yeah you know we had a really good time watching it overall i mean i was uh i was really um pleasantly surprised to see that i remember this uh, as fondly as i did before yeah jack nicholson's pretty great in it yeah he was really funny and just (laughs) i feel like he's like selling it yeah i do it must have been crazy to be on set with him, like, acting that way. He seems like he's having, like, the time of his life. Yeah. Which is so fun. It really does uh, make a movie more enjoyable to watch, I think. Yeah, whenever the actors are actually having fun. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on this movie as a whole? Like, um, what, what, what's your, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, as a whole, it is, the score is great, like, Arkham City looks great. The writing's pretty good. Um, it's got, like, that little brush of Tim Burton magic on it. Yeah. And, I mean, is it a perfect movie? No. no. Is it even, like, a super great movie? No. <laughs> no. But it's a pretty good movie, and it's pretty, and it's entertaining, and 
Um, I like that Vicky Vale actually was a reporter and was doing stuff. Yeah, you know, that was interesting. We were talking about that. Because, like, yeah, she doesn't have a whole lot to do. But she at least has goals and the skills to accomplish those goals. In that she's, like, trying to research who Bruce Wayne is. And she finds out his secret and all that stuff. Like, she actually has character motivation. Right. And a reason to be there other than relay information to the audience. Right. Uh, which is uh, very refreshing compared to Rachel Dawes in The Dark Knight. Right. Absolutely. And also, it wasn't like this weird, like, overbearing masculinity thing. Yeah. I mean, I do want to mention, though, there is something that, like, kind of in a meta sense bugs me about this movie. And it's not the movie in and of itself, but... In these movies in particular, this series yeah. that started with this one and went to uh, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin, it's kind of like each one of them has a new love interest, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like really negates a lot of what happens in this movie. And it also is kind of like towing the line of getting into almost like that disposable woman trope mm-hmm. uh, that James Bond is really um, kind of known for. Yeah. What do you think about that? Because he has a new, yeah, I mean, after, in Batman Returns, the movie after this one, like, Vicky Vale is nowhere to be seen, and I don't think they even bring it up that, like, they're not seeing each other anymore, and then yeah. there's a new... A new love interest for Bruce Wayne. Because, like, male power fantasy um, is surrounded by the idea that you're going to have sex with a lot of women. And, like, if you tie Batman down to one person and are just like, look at her, she's aging, she's (laughs) nagging him to do the fucking laundry, like... Yeah, so, like... I wanted to bring that up because we're talking about Vicky Vale in some positive terms when the movie's looked at by itself, but in the whole of the series, it almost like loses all the goodwill that it put in. It was kind yeah. of like a waste of a waste of time. Um, so I don't know. That's just something that came to mind when I was when I was watching it and thinking about it through that lens. Sure. There's a lot of things I like about this movie. I want to talk about Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. Um, because I like him. He's higher on my list than on most other people's list, I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, as far as, like, better Jokers. I like yeah. him more than Heath Ledger. And I know that's, like, kind of odd to say, I guess. I like him more than Heath Ledger, too. Do you? Yeah. Well, what yeah. do you like about him? He's hilarious. He's yeah. so funny. And I feel like the Joker should be funny. Because I remember being a kid and, like, rushing home from school because there were reruns of Batman the Animated Series on. Sure. At, like, I'd get off the bus and I'd just, like, run. Run down the driveway because I was so excited to watch Batman the Animated Series. Came on at, like, 4.30 and sometimes the bus was running a little bit late and so I'd, like... (laughs) But anyway, um, I just feel like this... And, like, I loved the Joker episodes because they were so funny. Yeah. And he's so, like, out of control. He's chaotic evil. Oh, for sure. Like, he's chaotic evil, you know, and it's hard to see real chaotic evil. Um, But I feel like Jack Nicholson here really captured it. And 
he captured it as well as Mark Hamill in the animated series in a lot of ways. Yeah, he did in a lot of ways. And I feel like a lot of inspiration was uh, taken from this Batman, like, from this point on. It kind of, like, set the tone for a lot of future right. um, Batman projects. Uh, I really think that there's a kind of a ratio for the Joker of, like, funny and scary. Yeah, yeah. And... While the ratio does have to be in check, it doesn't mean that they have to happen, like, individual of each other. Which is one of the reasons I like, in The Dark Knight, that scene uh, where he makes the pencil disappear. Because it's both funny and scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that the character of the Joker does really well. Or when it's done well, uh, really evokes that character of the Joker. Um... So that's one of the reasons I really like this. There's some disturbing scenes that you're kind of laughing uneasily yeah. with. And I almost feel like the Joker, if he were real, that's what he would want is to oh, yeah. make you kind of worry laugh. about yourself. Yeah, in that you find this funny. Um, how, do, how do you feel about that? Oh, about like the, the dark humor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's some, there is some dark humor in this, um, and I think that that works well for the Joker. And I, I, um, I don't know. I I don't know how like intentional it was for us to like be laughing uneasily. Sure, maybe that's just me overthinking it. No, I don't think you're overthinking it, but I think that um, it was like a little bit. But maybe not to the extent that we're sure. examining it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, like, Tim Burton in particular is a director who really does evoke a certain tone yeah. pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think he was a good choice uh, I do to do a Batman movie or a couple of Batman movies. Oh, yeah. Because you do get that gothic feel and you get the... Uh, in this movie, they kind of do more of a like Art Deco uh-huh. 1930s inspiration for a lot of things, which... Yeah. Um, both show strong influences uh, in the animated series and, right. and going forward with Gotham City being like a living, breathing place that's dirty and you can you kind of get the sense of it being a character too. Yeah, exactly. Because um, place is so important. You talk about that all the time. Place is, I would say place and character are the, the two most important things in art um, when it comes to like narrative storytelling. Um, and I feel like Tim Burton's pretty pretty good at that, invoking a sense of place. And the reason that place is so important is because we can't be transported effectively. If I if I don't believe the world, I'm not going to be transported effectively. Right. And that's why I think I like this a little bit more than uh, like the Chicago Gotham City of the right. Dark Knight, because. It almost, it, it's like when you have a, like an HDTV and you have that like too clear look where it's like weird. Yeah. Um, like you're watching a show and it looks like it was filmed with somebody's uh, handy cam because of the, just how clear it is. Right. There, it, it's almost like that there has to be an artificial wall between us and these fantasies <laughs> or else it starts to get strange. You kind of get like an uncanny valley type situation. So when you have a yeah. Gotham City that looks like Chicago and doesn't really have, it's very modern and has towering skyscrapers, but it's not uh, as, it doesn't have as much character as something right. like, um, 
like a, a city with older history. So it does kind of pull you out, I think. Yeah, it does. And also, like, Batman doesn't work outside of a uh, fantasy realm, I don't think. Yeah, because he's a, he's a fantasy character. There's no way that something like that could ever be viable in real life. Yeah. And our brains all know it. Yeah. So it's hard to watch something like The Dark Knight and be like, I totally accept this. Yeah. Like, I'm being, I am taken into this uh, movie, transported. Whereas Tim Burton builds, like, uh, that kind of fun, timeless, um, like, but uncanny set and, like, brings us into that world yes. rather than... Uh, rather than an already established place that I have preconceptions about. Exactly, yeah. And speaking of sets, uh, we looked this up while we were watching the movie. Um, but all of this is uh, like done on a studio lot. Yeah, which, which I thought is cool. was cool. Yeah. Um, I was reading a little bit about the production designer, and he had like, uh, he, I mean, he, they had pretty much all of those Gotham scenes uh, and sets built. Um, from scratch, which was really interesting to me, uh, with yeah. matte paintings in the background, and I mean, yeah, some of it doesn't hold up as well. Um, I love matte paintings. Yeah, they uh, they do a good job of again, like transporting you into fantasy world. Yeah. Um, but some of it was very much more apparent. Yeah. Um, there were some dated, uh, some dated filmmaking techniques. Yeah. For sure, in this movie. Yeah. How old is it at this point? 89? That's like um, 26? 20, no. Oh, 20... Because I'm 88. I was born in 88. Oh. <laughs> no, I was born in 88. I'm not yeah. 88 years old. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So, so I'll be 30 this year. So it's 28 years old. A 28-year-old movie. Yeah. And uh, some of that shows. Batman's costume is... I liked it. On the big TV, it looked cheap, but I do like the proportions of it. Yeah. Compared to The Dark Knight, you saw... Um, you did not like the way that that suit looked. I did not. I don't like the way that suit looks. I think it looks mechanical and fascist, and I think that, <laughs> that uh, Chris and Jonathan Nolan have a fascist vision of the world a lot of times, especially <laughs> if you watch Westworld. Oh, man. Well, Frank... Miller too, a a big Batman writer. Um, he's a, he's a, a huge also. fascist. Um, there's a lot of that, and I mean, Batman is kind of a fascist character in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's something that I want to talk about, like overall as a whole, with our Bat Stravaganza. Sure. Yeah. Like, is Batman a fascist? Like, I think it's really. I, think I mean, I don't a, think there's any doubt. I think it's an unequivocal yes. There's like no way. That you could argue that he's not. He imposes... It's one man imposing his will on an entire society. Like, yeah. that is... Without their consent or having any say in the matter. Like, that is fascism to a T. That is the most fascist thing, yeah. Yeah. That's Mussolini, bitches. <laughs> um, but we let it go in this case because we're like, oh, well, he's... He knows what he's doing. He's good at it. He, like, has good intentions. Isn't that what um, they said about Francisco? He's helping us. Francisco Franco. Yes. Joseph that's, Stalin. That's the point we got to make is that that's a dangerous line of thought. Yeah. I got to stop. And, and I thought that the Ben Affleck 
uh, the new ones, he was particularly like <laughs> neoconservatively fascist. Well, at least in some of these older versions of Batman, like his code was that he wasn't going to kill anyone. Yeah. So like, you know, at least you can justify that. You're like, okay, fascism's okay because he's not ending anyone else's life, no matter what else he's doing. He's not yeah. ending other people's lives. Um, but yeah, Ben Affleck's Batman is just gunning people down left and right indiscriminately with no care for the girl No remorse. Yeah. Oh man. It's, uh, it's very different. It really is. And I really like, if I back out and think about it, like think about Batman's role and how he participates in society. Yeah. Batman, like... Like, goes around town finding mentally ill people, most of them <laughs> mentally ill, whooping the shit out of them, and then putting them back into a, a prison. It's not, it's, it's an asylum, quote unquote, but it's a prison. Yeah. And where they're clearly not being rehabilitated at all, and they just pop back out. Yeah. It's, again, it's that uh, almost a revenge fantasy where it's just like... Let's just wail on this dude. Who cares what happens in the future? Let's get our instant gratification on this uh, bad man's beating. Yeah, I think that, like, you got to be real cautious with it being, with admiring Bruce Wayne in particular and Batman. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, he's just not, like, he's portrayed as a hero, and in, I mean, he does heroic things. There's not a question to that. Sure. But. Could Batman be doing more? <laughs> is there more that he could be doing? Batman. So with the resources that he has, especially. Bruce Wayne, who claims he's a fucking billionaire. You know, and all this money keeps coming in, keeps coming in, keeps coming in. And, like, can't stop it. He's just going to be rich forever. Like, he could invest in infrastructure in Gotham so that those criminals' children don't become criminals themselves. Yeah. Um... Instead of investing in the giant prisons that he funds, <laughs> he could, um, you know, do after-school literacy programs. Yeah. You know, he could do so much more for the people of Gotham than rooting the mentally ill out, whooping their asses, <laughs> and then throwing them into a cold stone cell yeah. in a place where they're not getting rehabilitated. So, I mean, there are occasionally, like, storylines or, like, brief tangents in different Batman media where they do either mention or show or, however, reveal that he um, does have, like, certain charities that are going on. And some stories, like, have, like, little nods to that or whatever. What's Um, the Amazon CEO's name? Bezos? Jeff Bezos, yeah. Jeff Bezos has charities and philanthropy going on. (laughs) He says billions of dollars in his bank account. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm getting (laughs) at. That's immoral, Bruce Wayne. That's what I'm coming up to, is that, yes, uh, there are charities that Bruce Wayne has, and sometimes, you know, people attack his his social programs or they attack his uh, business empire or whatever. But no matter what, even in all those stories, Bruce Wayne's personal wealth is never at risk. Never. Ever. I know. Um, that means he's got it over in the Cayman Islands and shit. You know he does. He's got it in fucking foreign banks. Yeah. He's an un-American capitalist asshole. I mean, yeah, we may need Batman when, like, the Scarecrow has, like, poisoned uh, the water supply for Gotham City. But, like, 
he's the root of our problems when it comes to uh, freaking Occupy Wall Street. God damn. Yeah, and like, what about those? You know, you see, especially in the animated series, you think I'm thinking about like the thugs who are snatching purses. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think about maybe those guys are. And I, and I mean thugs in, like, the 1930s sense, not the racist sense. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, maybe those guys are just trying to feed their family. You don't maybe. know. You don't know, Batman. I'd love to read a Batman comic where, like, Batman's wailing on people who are stealing bread because they're just starving to death. Because they're just hungry. Like, yeah. Their kid needs a specialized asthma medicine or something. I mean, I bet if there was a comic like that, they would write it that he would, like, let them go. Uh, and then give them money or something. But, like... This sounds like a Christian saying that this really nice Jewish person they knew actually went to heaven. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> universalist doctrine, Batman. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, okay. But anyway, okay, so let's move on to... Uh, real quick, we'll rank some characters. How How well do you like uh the joker as played by jack nicholson compared to others um i gotta say i think i like it second only to mark hamill in animated series i'm gonna say that too we're agreeing a lot today we are uh it's nice it's It's good um yeah i'm gonna agree with that too i think uh he's got a good balance of the the um funny and the disturbing yep and um Man, he's, he's just having a good time. He's just fun to watch. Yeah, he's really energetic. Yeah. But moving on to Batman, uh, as played by Michael Keaton, um, and Bruce Wayne as played by Michael Keaton. What, give me your thoughts on that one. <sighs> I think we're of the same mind on this, too. Just like, really? Why Michael Keaton? He looks like <laughs> such a little dork in this. Yeah, I wonder about that, too. Like, what? It was a strange casting choice. I know that... Uh, like. As I was looking at him, I think maybe they picked him because he does have, like, kind of a very sharply arched eyebrow. I thought that, too. Um, That's weird. And it kind of matches the the Batman cowl, in a way. Uh, Which I was like, is that the only reason? I mean, Michael Keaton was kind of at the top of his game around this time, I guess. Was he in it when Harry met Sally? Was that him? <laughs> oh my god, no, that was Billy Crystal. I wish there was a Batman movie where Billy Crystal was Batman because that would be the best thing ever. Maybe you're thinking that because of uh, City Slickers, Jack Palance, the guy who's, um, what's his name, Goldie or whatever in uh, in City Slickers, but he's like... At the beginning of this movie, he's the mob boss. Um, he's like, Jack, you're my number one guy. And, like, sells him out to the cops. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Well, he's in uh, Curly. That's his name in City Slickers. Um, I never saw City Slickers. Oh, my God. We're going to have to do that, too. Never saw Daniel, that one. Daniel Stern's in that. The guy from Home Alone that played uh, I know Marv. Daniel Stern. Yeah. I know Daniel Stern and Matthew Lillard. <laughs> You know Matthew Lillard. Why? Why do you know Matthew Lillard? Why can't I recognize Tom Hanks, but I can recognize Matthew oh Lillard? Oh, my God. Oh, you know what? I was thinking, I wanted to ask you what you thought about the Batmobile in this one. Um, I thought it was cool. Yeah. It was a cool Batmobile. So it's got that cool retro style. Yeah. This one was my first Batmobile that I really enjoyed, and yeah. I had a Hot Wheel of it, which was pretty great. 
Um, but, like, compared to the other Batmobiles, I mean, we've got, like, Joel Schumacher's Neon Demon. Um, I love it. <laughs> which is, it's campy and fun. We've got... Uh, Man, people hate that movie. Oh, yeah. There, well, there's a lot to hate. I mean, I it's, love it. I don't think it's, like, a dignified movie, but I, I no. do enjoy it. We're going to do an entire... Um, an entire podcast on Batman Forever eventually because I have literally seen that uh, it has to have been over a hundred times. Jesus. Well, it was a thing where um, when I stayed in at that house in the summers while my mom was at work. Oh, uh, yeah. That was like the one movie we all agreed on. (laughs) Uh So we watched it almost every day and that was for like three years. So, uh, across three summers. So, wow. Yeah, we watched a lot of Batman Forever. Uh, so that place, that one has a special place in my heart. See, I always liked Batman and Robin because I really like how absurd Uma Thurman and Arnold Schwarzenegger are. <laughs> Uma Thurman is way overacting in that movie. She is and, so overacting. And you know what? I, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger is overacting in that movie, too. <laughs> Um, I don't know how that's even possible. Get in the chopper. <laughs> ay, ay. Like somebody's job was just to write ice puns for that movie. I wish and, it was my job. And they ran out real fast, but they had to give like five more. The the staff's like, we got a deadline. Okay. Like, well, I only came up with seven good ones. We need 12. Have an ice day. <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, that's not great, but it'll do. <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. What the fuck? Aye. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, so compared to, uh, like, Batman the Dark Knight uh, Batmobile. Yeah. Where it's like that Tumblr tank looking thing. Yeah. What do you think about that one? I think that one looks significantly more fascist. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> does. It makes me think, oh... There's the SWAT team coming to bust down my private residence because we're in a police state now. Oh, but you know, so I don't want to keep banging on the Dark Knight because there's some fascist shit that Batman 1989 just got going on in it too. Like, the, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, what the fuck? He, he flies his plane out there and immediately like busts out the missiles and the machine guns and starts just like firing down Main Street. Yeah. Uh, I know that... You know, Batman's careful and all, but... <laughs> How seems, careful can you be with a really missile? That seems really dangerous. Um, all for... To try and kill the Joker, I guess. Yeah. The Joker dies horribly at the end of this movie. Villains used to die in Batman movies. Yeah, they did. They were just like... So final. They're like, we're not coming back to... We're not revisiting this. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> hey kids, watch this. Yeah. Um, Don't be bad. I kind of admire that as a movie, like, committing to... We're done with this, and we're moving... If we're, if there's a sequel, we're moving on to something new, uh, in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like, totally. some new... Some of these uh, newer trilogies and series and stuff, like, they like to keep everybody on ice for possible later use, depending on how much money that character oh, brought yeah. in. Um, oh, yeah, like, we are all fucking marvel's whores like we're all in a somebody's little black book oh my god we're in marvel's little black book he just fucking they they just call us up and are like hey uh you know remember the avengers well 
you know, we know you do, so why don't you show up? I'll take you to a cheap dinner. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's, That's some metaphor you've got there. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so we want to watch some animated series yeah. stuff. Uh, and talk about that. So we're going to take care of that. We're going to pick a few episodes of uh, maybe different points in the Batman animated universe. Sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see what we come up on. And uh, we'll be right back. I got to pee. Oops. Did it not stop recording? Yeah, stop. Watched a couple episodes of Batman the Animated Series uh-huh. from the first season. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't feel the need to watch a whole ton of them because we've watched them all many times. Yeah. But we watched um, a, a couple of particularly uh, interesting episodes. Yeah. Um, first one's called The Joker's Favor, uh, which is told from a different perspective. It's told from the perspective of a kind of down on his luck every man who um is having a bad day and somebody cuts him off in traffic and he curses him out turns out it's the joker right and uh the joker um basically spares him in exchange for some future favor and so the story is told through this guy who's kind of in fear of uh being called upon by the joker to give up that favor and then we watched um, Mad as a Hatter, which was a uh, kind of disturbingly deeper episode. Um, yeah. The origin of the Mad Hatter as a villain. Um, um, which is kind of like an interesting thing because there's a lot of like rejection by women that makes these guys villains. And I think it's really important that we think about like how young boys and men are, are viewing that media. Sure. Um, like the Mad Hatter, this woman rejected him and he went crazy. Like, he went crazy because of her rejection. So we have to make sure that young boys and and men are understanding that, um, like that kind of rejection isn't about like isn't gonna kill you and it's not it's not gonna <laughs> yeah. kill your ego and and whenever you're viewing this media understand that these guys are are bad guys because they made choices yeah exactly and i think the uh, i mean i think this series does a good job of because uh, it is made for kids uh even though it's still enjoyable for adults um i do right. think that the the lessons in batman the animated series are um are decent and i think that it's interesting that they uh, were handling that subject matter at all, considering the age of their audience. But it's important, I think, to show that, like, um, like women have a say in the relationship, too. Like, you're, right. not, you're not the only part of this. Right. Um, it re- requires two people to have a relationship. Right. And I would say that both of those episodes um, were just great as far as like narrative arc and structure and yeah 
I think it benefits from the shorter format. Right. Uh, we both kind of think that shorter formats work better for most things, I would say, right? Would, would you say that's the case? Um, yeah, for, for many things. I wouldn't say most. I would say many things. Yeah. It's rare that I, like, find a three-hour movie that I'm like, okay, that definitely needed right. to be three hours. Um, and even if it did, it's kind of like, oh, come on. <laughs> Solaris needed to be three hours. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's movies that need to be three hours long, but I just don't always want to watch them. I think that's valid, too. Sure. Um, so yeah, the shorter format, I think it benefits because you can really focus on, um, any small character or any like theme that you want to and just stay on that, uh, mm-hmm. because like you have, you know, who knows how many more episodes that you can explore other things. It's fine. You can kind of take your time and move through this world and it makes Gotham City and the people in it feel a little more real. Um, oh, well, yeah. Just to, because uh, that's one of the things I like about the animated series is that uh, Batman has feelings and a life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a little bit of uh, charm to him, even. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has more of a... Like, he cares more about the individuals in Gotham City than other versions of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is his hometown. Yeah, I mean, there are other episodes. There's one that you really like in particular with, uh, what does he call himself, the child catcher? Or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. He has, um, like, a bunch of crocodiles in the sewer, and he's been, like, kidnapping children and kind of brainwashing them to work for him. Yeah, that episode is disturbing. Yeah, but even in that episode, I mean, it's dealing with a rather serious subject matter, and um, oh hell yeah, I think he manages to handle it well, and also like teach about like free will and you know uh, stranger danger. Uh, yeah, the fact that like there are groups of people that are forgotten that yep. um, are kind of seized upon by. Uh, predators, basically. Yeah, and that episode where uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne ends up with amnesia and ends up in a, a sweat box in Mississippi. Oh yeah, he's in a like a a prison work camp or yeah. something. Yeah, that one's interesting. It's like smaller stories, and it shows his character too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even when he's in like a smaller circumstance, he still takes the time to do the right thing. And I think it's I. I think it's important to show Batman doing smaller things. Oh, yeah. You know, you know stopping purse snatchings. Not just, like, <laughs> the the entire, like, gas bombing of um, Gotham City every yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Like, smaller stories give us a chance to, like, really explore Batman and, and like, glean insight from Batman's experiences. Sure. I like, and I, this is my favorite format for Batman is the animated series, I think. Yeah, mine too, and I think it has a, uh, because the whole animated series, uh, animated universe, like, expanded over, um, man, it seems like a long time, probably like 10 years or something, uh, when it kind of built up into, um, the new adventures of Batman. Right. And then uh, Batman Beyond and Justice League and all the other stuff that kind of spun out of it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, all of them are good. 
uh, in their own ways. Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Batman Beyond. I love uh, Batman Beyond. Which has a, a, a totally different... I mean, it's the same city and the same idea, but it's a totally different setting as being like in the near future and everything's like super cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Bruce Wayne is still around. He's just too old to be Batman anymore. So he passes yeah. on uh, the mantle of Batman to this other person who's a very different Batman. He and really I like is. Uh, Terry McGinnis, who is a much more like Spider-Man type character and then yeah. he wisecracks a lot uh, and he's a little immature and a little rash. But he's got a um, good heart. Yeah. And Batman's on the other end, I guess, like kind of directing him in, in uh, his fights and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. His investigations. So it's a cool dynamic there where you kind of have the, you have the, the old guard and then um, the new as well, but it's in a similar format to what we're already used to. Right. So it makes it kind of interesting to, in it's like poetry in that it rhymes. Oh my God, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to annoy you with that real, real quick. Well, you succeeded. Yeah, um, we've also talked about uh, some of the Batman animated movies yeah. um, that we both really like, or at least I'm a huge fan. Uh, yeah. One is Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. That was kind of set in the same universe as this, uh, the first season of the animated series that we watched. Yeah. Big time Joker story, and Batman like falls in love with somebody. Yeah. Um, we talked about how... Um, in uh, the 1989 Batman, I don't think we discussed this on air, but we were talking about how uh, you like a more lively Batman. A yeah. More, a more uh, happy Batman, I guess. I do. A bat- well, and that's funny because I am the doom metal of the two of us in this relationship where I'll <laughs> listen to Funeral Doom where you'll listen to like some fucking silly prog well, Beach metal. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> um... But I prefer a Batman that, like, acknowledges its silliness because it's a man dressed up in a bat costume. Sure. Because whenever they're too serious, I get creeped out by the whole thing. I'm just yeah. like, ugh. Are you going to start talking about how, like, the white race is superior Batman? Because that's what I feel like you're about to do. <laughs> like, I just I'm, don't like I'm the, the feeling. i goddamn Batman. I just don't like the feeling of it. It's... I need some camp in my life. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't even say... I mean, I guess it's campy. There's, like, the the music in the animated series... Yeah. ...is um, at once very different, but also I really love it. Yeah. Uh, I think the music is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it it also doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. But in a way, that kind of contributes. Yeah. Um, Because it... It's in line with the tone of the rest of the series, so when everything fits together like that, I I think it it, it does works. work really well. Yeah. Um, and uh, the composer, uh, so let's see, Danny Elfman did the theme song yeah. for this and for 1989 Batman. So like, yeah. uh, the musical themes are kind of in line with that. But a woman was in charge of composing all the music for this show. Yeah. And uh, I cannot remember her name, but she did a really great job. 
um, of having different thematic elements for every different character. Yeah. And, um, something that people don't realize is pretty hard to do. Over, oh, yeah. Especially over, like, multiple seasons um, with, like, 100, 100 episodes or so. Yeah. yeah. No, it's hard. And there are some, the, some episodes that aren't so great. Yeah, it's like Star Trek. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Like, not everything can be a winner. And when you're taking risks, sometimes, like, those risks don't pay off. Yeah, but that, I think that makes the good ones all the more better. Oh, yeah. No, I would much, I, I will consume things that take risks and fail over things that never, don't take risks and never fail. Oh, for sure. And that's one of the reasons that I, I like it. It has a bold direction. It knows yeah. what it is. It sticks with it and just yep. says, like, this is what we are. We're, like, we've carved out this niche. And if you like it, you don't. Yep. Um, I mean, a lot of the similar, a lot of the same voice actors do uh, stuff in um, the Arkham video game series as in uh, this. I think the voice of Harley Quinn is the same, too. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Batman and the Joker, and I think Alfred might be. I'd have to double check on that. Yeah. <sighs> Rewatching this, it's been a while. I've, I kind of like these more innocent versions a little better. Maybe oh, it's just, I do too. Maybe it's just because I've been playing a lot of that video game recently that uh, I'm just tired of it. I'm refreshed by this older version. Yeah, I'm refreshed by something that has a little bit more hope to it. <laughs> yeah, there, this is a um, time in our history, I'd say, when there's not a whole lot of hope. And you know what? Also, this is the most empathetic Batman because a lot of times we see behind the villain, like, what's going on and why. Yeah. Why they're doing the things that they're doing and, like, that villains are hurting people, too. Like, they are people who have emotions and... Yeah, oftentimes it's... Yeah, I think their version of uh, Two-Face is really good. Their version yeah. of Mr. Freeze is amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, where he's a completely sympathetic villain. Yeah. Um, with a wife who is, he froze uh, because she has a... Kind of degenerative disease that she's going to die from, um, and so he's trying to find the cure, yeah. but he uses less than ethical methods to do it. And so, like, you can totally understand somebody who would do that, like, to save someone that they love. Um, oh man, there was side note there was this amazing comic, Mr. Freeze comic, where you find out that that wasn't his wife at all. <laughs> oh yeah, that's just um, some lady that he stalked at work, and you're like, "Oh God, Mister Freeze, I trusted you." <laughs> yeah, for those of you that are into comics, it's uh, after Scott Snyder took over and they restarted the numbering for Batman. Um, I think it was one of the annuals after the Court of Owls series, and it was just kind of a standalone story with Mister Freeze. It was um, the best. Yeah, really great story. We both enjoyed it a, a lot. Jordan loves it when I do this, when I park on some weird, obscure thing that I thought about, and I'm like, Well, yeah, hey. it's, but I do, I, I do really like that issue. So I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down, but it's, it's basically like re, retelling the Mr. Freeze origin story. Yeah. Um, and pretty much all the elements are there, but it's kind of told from this slightly different perspective... Uh, and I think it's told in flashback while he's like walking with her across uh, 
Frozen Pond? Is that what it was? And then I don't know that this is an important recap here, babe, to tell them the whole thing that happens in the Mr. Freeze comic. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> to you. I, I like it. I think it's a really cool comic. No, I love it. It's a great comic. Yeah. Um, well, check it out. Don't take my word for it, because I can't describe it very well anyway. No. Um, yeah, where were we? Uh, let's talk about, um, let's see, the Batmobile in this one. How, it's how okay. Yeah. I'm not particularly in love with it one way or the other. It's functional, and it gets in where it needs to be to, like, perform character acts, which is what sure. I care about. Yeah. And, yeah, there are a lot more character acts in this than there are in most anything, any other form of Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, there's a really good episode where, like, you kind of explore the Joker's, um, his, his origin story. Sure. Um, and it's, like, really disturbing and it's really sad. Oh, yeah. And it, I, I remember that one. Um... It is. It's a, and it's one of the few that's like kind of a disputed origin story, unreliable narrator type yeah. thing. Um, but it's a story that's been told in in Batman comics too. Right. And I don't know. I don't know that I want to know who the Joker is no, or like I, where he came from. That's like the problem that Stephen King has with all of his books, like. The the he spends the end explaining all the magic that he built up away. Yeah. And like <laughs> I don't want that to be a part like I want there to some mag there to be some magic remaining. And this this Joker Lord, you know, does that well. Sure. It's like it's more magic if you don't know exactly where he is and what he's coming from, you know? Yeah, and um yeah, like the mystery of it, it just makes it more interesting. Yeah, makes the character exactly. more interesting, without being withholding. Yeah, because I think the Yoda thing is withholding in the Star Wars universe. Really? Yes. Um, it's withholding George Lucas. <laughs> you get like, off on it. Oh, when you mean um, that they won't reveal like what Yoda's race. Race's yeah. name is or whatever. Yeah. George Lucas has repeatedly refused to acknowledge the name of the race of creature that Yoda is in Star Wars. He's just doing it to be withholding. For no reason. Fuck you. I mean, there's a George there's Lucas. all this expanded universe stuff. We're gonna have a Star Wars extravaganza eventually too. Oh. We're, we're building up to that. I know okay. that some people probably want to hear Star Wars, but we're 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 waiting on that one. But anyway, yeah, um, animated series. Pretty great. Yeah. I would recommend it. I would too. Um, consistently. Of all the Batman media, the one that I've consistently recommended is the animated series. Yep, me too. And if you haven't watched it, you should. It's, it's excellent. a blast. Check out Batman Beyond too. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I think that's uh, all we've got for today. So it's been our bat stravaganza. It is literally, yeah. We've I think we've literally been Batmaning it up some for like twelve hours. So I'm oh my god, <laughs> I'm really tired at this point. Me um, too. But yeah, I had an excellent uh, bat stravaganza with you, Rachel, and for all of you who are listening, thank you so much for making it this far. Um, please feel free to 
write us an email, recipeforddisastershow at gmail.com. Um, you can post a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts. And if uh, what you write on there um, gets posted up with five stars, we'll read it on, uh, on air for you. No yeah. matter what it says. Yeah. I mean, and you could you could write doo-doo farty butt and we'd read it on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sounds like something you would do, Rachel. <laughs> I, I don't want to hold everybody else accountable <laughs> for your actions. I have so many stories about naming video game oh characters. Oh, my God. We're, yeah, we're going to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you.